Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode double seven. Matt is coining this the open world episode because we have several games uh, set in an open world that we're gonna talk about today. Uh, not the least of which is the sequel to Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Yeah. And then we're gonna go hunt some robot dinosaurs in an open world with Horizon Zero Dawn. And then finally, the gloves come off. I'm gonna talk to you guys about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild getting perfect tens everywhere, but are these people crazy? We'll find out. Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face on Sifted Games at Sifted.net, our flagship show. We're having a special Friday afternoon edition. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get this episode up for our subscribers as an archive not too much later today. Um, Matt, how's your week been? Uh, mostly Horizon. Yeah. yeah. I have, uh, we're going to talk about Horizon, obviously. <laughs> it's the first topic on today's show. I have not played a lick of Horizon, which is really... Very disappointing. It hurts, because, you know, obviously it's my most anticipated game mm. of the year. And what happened was I got roped into playing Zelda, which we're also going to talk about here shortly. you got to get the Zelda eval done, so... It's... I'm almost done, yeah. Um, it is disappointing. I did not get it done in time. Again, we'll talk about why. Um, I don't know how much time these people had to dedicate to this game across like five or six days, but they had more than I had. That's all I can say, because the game is huge. And speaking of huge, Horizon Zero Dawn, Matt. Is, yep. it, is it living up to our expectations after all the talk? We've, I mean, we've talked about that game several times, more probably half a dozen times on mm -hmm. Game Face before. Is it living up to it? Yes. It is. It is probably the best thing I've played since The Witcher. Wow. That's is, high praise. It is just, it's astounding. Like, I did, as someone who is not a Killzone fan, I did not know Guerrilla Games had this in them. I well, mean, I, I don't think anybody did. I mean, I had talked They never made a game about, like this before. Right, but I mean, I've talked about in the past, like, you know, I'm hoping, that, hoping this game was going to be like, oh, all these ideas and all these things, ambitions, they've had bottled up, being forced to work on Killzone for so long, and now they finally get to do their own idea. And uh, I think I was right, because there is a lot of heart and soul in this game, in addition to the impressive technology on display. It's, um, like, I'm about 20 hours into it. I've uncovered a... I, I mean, I, I, I admittedly go pretty thorough and slow in these games. I do everything I can and, and poke my head into everywhere while I'm playing, you know, before I move on to the next area. So I've, I've uncovered... I've gone, gone through about a third of the map, I would say. And... Um, the game, map is huge. I mean, it's just gigantic. And um, so, wait, you're, you feel like you're a third of the way through at 20 hours? I've seen a, you know, if you pull back on the map, like it, you know, the, the part you haven't seen is covered in clouds. Right. And so, I've uncovered about a third of it. Wow. Uh, and about to kind of delve down into the next chunk. Um, and uh, what I will say is, like, um, it's interesting. Like the, the game, like you, most of what you've seen in this game is the first area. The, the oh, footage wow. you've seen the, the first area where like the Nora area uh -huh. where it's like you know woodsy and pretty and there's forests and some rivers and you know you go up high enough in the mountains there's snow and stuff like that but the game gets visually more interesting as you move forward and there's stuff in here you have never seen I mean well, they, I would hope so despite well despite how much media they've put out right, right. I've never they have put out a ton I feel like they've maybe oversaturated this a little bit over the last couple of weeks I, Having played, I was worried about that. Having played it, like you, most of what they've shown has been from the first third of the map. Wow. Okay. Uh, so there's still stuff in there we don't, we you haven't seen. Right. Um, 
It's gorgeous. Obviously. It is. My eye keeps jutting from you to yeah. this, to our monitor here, looking at the footage that we're running right now. It is really just beautiful. It is beautiful. one of the best-looking games I've ever played. Yeah. No question. Um, my only real gripe presentationally is, uh, and we talked about this with that developer, uh, like, kind of walkthrough for a few episodes ago, uh, lip sync, not quite yeah. on point. So even um, in the final version, they never really got it dialed in. Yeah, and the weird thing is, like, it's not the the you know the NPCs were who they were kind of cutting away from in that in that uh, video, uh, but uh, Aloy, the main character, uh, she doesn't seem to open her teeth very often when yeah. she when she speaks, and the other characters usually do when they say like oh sounds or whatever, um, and it's weirdly distracting. Uh, you would think that would be the one character that they would make sure that they dial right. in. Um, but, you know, if that's your biggest complaint, they're doing yeah, pretty good. Yeah, you're doing good. pretty damn well. Um, yeah. She is voiced by Ashley Birch um, from Hey Ash, hey What's Your Plan? From Game Trailers. Uh, in a, demonstrating she has uh, range because this is about as far from uh, Tiny Tina in Borderlands yeah. 2 as you can get. Uh, she's very good. I would it's nev- crazy how I she's would never become have known. like this big voice actress. Yeah, well, that's what she wanted to do, apparently. I didn't know that, actually. I mean, uh, we worked with her and, and the team at Hey Ash for mm-hmm. years and years, and like just all of a sudden, out of nowhere. But she's very good and um uh it's a, it's a very it's an understated performance much of the time but also she can turn on the sarcasm and turn on the snark when the character needs to do it uh-huh. it's it, like all the performances are very good in this but she uh you know the burden's on her really and it all works really well um how is the story starting to unfold because that was something that's really kind of kept under wraps for even uh-huh. right till today um, um the story's interesting in that like a lot of it is about sort of uncovering what happened to the world, uh, and also who she is, because she's uh, when the, you know when she's she's living with her outcast adopted father uh, in the wilds uh, because she was outcast at birth and nobody knows why, and she, her, that's her whole the very beginning thing is she wants when she's growing up at the very beginning is she decides she wants to be in what's called the proving, which is a uh, Basically, like a hunting obstacle course that, like you know, youth. I think uh, when they're like eighteen or twenty, like, it's like a rite of passage. Basically, or and whoever and whoever wins, it's like a, it's also a race between the other people participating. Whoever wins gets a boon from the matriarchs. Uh, the the tribe she's part of the is a is a is a matriarchal society, um, and uh, the. Um, and so she wants to win it, get the boon, and her boon will be tell me who I am and where, who my mother is. And, uh, okay. And she, and you know, spoilers, she does win because duh. Because and um, <laughs> but like but so and so she gets to end. There's more to it. Like, yeah, it's it's that's a very tremendous simplification of what happens during the proving sequence. But basically, she gets to ask the question. She gets sort of an answer, and that sort of propels her into well, we gotta. You know, basically, you got to walk the earth now, like Kane in Kung Fu, and yeah. you know, in true action RPG fashion, along the way, you help a whole bunch of people. You run into have exclamation points over their head, and uh, uh, that's basically the setup. And then, as you go, you find new thing, new elements of the world that sort of show. What you is what's... her goal? Her goal is, um, without getting too deep into it, yeah, I mean, we don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but... Her goal is to find out who she is and why she is. Okay. Um, so it's not about the world necessarily, about why there's these machines walking around. No. It's about I, her. It's about her. Like, like the, the people of this world just sort of accept that that's what they're, you know, and it's in the opening narration. It's like, you know, the, 
There is the, the, the animals of the earth, the animals of the water, the animals of the, of the sky, and the animals of the metal. God, and, yeah. like, to them, this is... Are there real animals in this? Yeah. Oh, Typical yeah. animals? Like, okay. There's, there's boars, and, and you can... Because, uh, you know, like Far Cry, there's a lot of Far Cry in this game. Uh, like, a lot of hunting. Yeah, like, well, it's, it's like you have to kill skinning. the animals to get their, their meat and skin and stuff to craft, like, inventory upgrades for the most part. That's what that's for. Um, so there's boars and uh, boars and fish and raccoons and and foxes and rats and stuff. There's no, nothing that attacks you. Like you, you know, I've never, I haven't fought an animal yet. It's all been robots and people. Okay. Um, but uh, they are in there and they people. Kind of, so what's the people angle? Well, there's a lot of different tribes. Okay. Um, so there's bandits out in the wilds and there's like rival tribes and there's like there's recently there was a war between uh, one of the tribes that's sort of in the center of the map and their neighbors and there's a new king that apparently like overthrew the old king um, because the old king was the guy caught, he was doing stuff. It's something called like red raids where they'd go and raid these like your tribe people and steal them for human sacrifice and stuff. I mean, it, all is not at peace between Got the it. people of this world. And then it's. I wonder us. if they have to band together at the end. Uh, there is there is uh, a fight the there is a trophy evil. related to that. Um, so I assume that is part of it. Yeah, yeah. but the. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, and so like the world is just sort of accepted by most people. And then there's like another, there's like a certain tribe that like thinks that like the, the machines can be made docile, and then there's certain tribes that think that like you know the machines should simply all be destroyed, but they can't destroy them because they're getting because the, the part of the, the the basis of the story is that like twenty years ago the machines were docile and wouldn't bother you unless you bothered them, right? And now they attack on sight, hmm. uh, and no one knows why. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and so that's so like she her main goal is to figure out who she is and what's going on there. But like as you move forward, all these mysteries of the world present themselves. And there's a whole thing where like if you you know it's forbidden religiously and and tribally to go into the old ruins or the underground like caves where or all the you know the the ruins of subway stations. You know there's a lot of like remnants of our world or the because it takes place according to the back of the box. It's a thousand years in the future. So, and it looks like it's been like nine, eight, nine hundred years since whatever happened, happened. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, the, um, and so there's still ruins and stuff, and if you go down in them and, and you're caught doing that, you will be, you get outcast, basically. It's, it's forbidden. So, most people know nothing about all this, all this pre, you know, pre-apocalypse civilization. They don't, they don't know anything about that stuff. They just think that they angered the mother goddess and that's why it all you know and Aloy is actually great because she was raised as an outcast outside that world so she's skeptical of all that stuff because she's like okay well you're dicks so like okay. right, right. so there's things where like like one was, was you know there's like a uh something's happening and there's like a plague kind of it's not a plague but it's like it's like the the, the there's a corruption that you run in these machines that are corrupted and they're like harder to kill and that you you can't use some of your abilities on them they're basically more dangerous right and early on, you have to clear like corrupted zones uh, of them. Is one of like the side quest things. And this this woman you run into at one of the little like tribal camps says uh, basically like you're like where are they? I'm gonna go you know kill them. And she's like the and she's like oh the only way this curse will be lifted is if the all mother is pleased with us and da da da. And and Aloy is like mm hmm I'm I'm gonna try. Uh, Killing the thing that's causing the curse, and like you worry about the all mother, you pray to the all mother, and I'm going to go kill the stuff, right? right. And so like there's kind of she's kind of I and mean, she's polite about it, but yeah. she's, she's kind of like 
Mm-hmm. How about you just tell me where it is for fun? Yeah, and, you know, it's like, <laughs> and I'll like, go check it out. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's it's you know it's 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 enjoy. I like Aloy as a character. Like she's, good, good. She's, uh, she's and you can pick. There's kind of a, a Mass Effecty thing where like uh, a lot of dialogue choices. You can pick uh, one of three responses. So you've got. Um, there's the icon. There's a fist icon, which is like you know a, a headstrong kind aggressive, of you know, aggressive. Yeah. You've got a brain icon, which is usually the clever, tricker, trickier one, and there's a heart icon, which is the understanding, like compassionate right, response. Right. And um, the different choice, depending on how you react, different things will, will happen. And like you, you know, you, there will be callbacks to those decisions in certain dialogue trees later on. And like, is there romance re- in the game? Not so far. No relationships. I mean, there. There's been one character who was like, "Hey, it'd be you know cool to see you if you ever come back to wherever." She's like, "Yeah, all right, maybe, yeah, <laughs> cool, bigger dude. fish you know? to fry." <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Gotta gotta figure out why the world is the way it is." But yeah, I mean, it'd be cool to go on a date later, I guess. You know, I don't know. So no, no there's nothing like that so far. Uh, although there's been there's been a lot of characters that have shown some interest in her, but she has not reciprocated, or at least I have. I don't know if it's, that's a dialogue choice thing with me, but I was like, "Nah, we're not, we're not." We're not dating. Here. All right, it's time for me to play devil's advocate. So, I've watched tons of gameplay of this game. Talked to you about it a little bit. Watched dozens of trailers. The one thing that I would say, looking at this game, is that it looks like it does everything that's already been done very well, but mm-hmm. it doesn't kind of have its own angle. Mm, that's more or less fair. I mean, in other some than the ways. combat, the tethering with the animals, yeah. at least that's kind of a little bit of a spin, but. Um, I would say um, it's 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 in large part. I could say ninety percent of it is more just like a refinement of things you've seen before to a degree that you just haven't seen before. Got you know it. I mean? Like little things, like the anim- like when you, especially when you tame uh, some of the animals that like you can ride, the robots where you can ride them, um, and you see just the the detail on the animation and how many moving parts these things have, yeah. and like how the the hoses on them shake with their own physics as they yeah. walk. Um, how many pieces of them can get blown off by your arrows and all? And, and like when you've got things where like um, you've got multiple animals attacking you, and like you do like something where like um, you, you get these arrows eventually that are like um, they have compressed air in the tip, and they don't do any damage, but they blow components off uh, okay. the, the machine. So and I had it was like uh, there was a machine charging me and a couple others, and I hit the main one I was I was worried the most about with the compressed air arrow to blow its. Um, it's gun off, and it blew the gun, and the like pieces blew off it, and the 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 animal, the, the machine charging next to it, like the pieces blew off in its face, and it like oh really like, moved away, like stumbled away. Wow! I've had things where like you know, there's there's certain when you run into like you know the the, the broadheads or the chargers, like they they're more aggressive than the the, the basically the cows, the horses you run uh-huh. into earlier. They all kind of like a, a real animal equivalent. It seems right, like. right, and um. Sometimes those animals are dragons, but you know, like, um, but so like the the broadheads were charging me, and there was these little the, the, like the most basic creatures a watcher. It's like a little uh, velociraptor looking thing, and uh. it's just like they're very weak, but they look for stuff, and if they see you, they alert all the other other machines. Yeah, we saw some footage yeah. of that a second ago, I think. Yeah, and uh, so it those saw me too, and it started charging at me to come hit me with their tail or whatever. And then the broadhead charges at me, and as he's charging at me, he runs down the watcher. And oh, kills wow. it. So like, there, 
everything like impacts and interacts with everything. Um, It's not as it's not like a super detailed ecosystem or anything, but it all does feel real. And like if you run over an if one of these machines runs over an animal to kill it, and like you'll and you'll get the experience for it for some reason. Oh, nice. Um, (laughs) And so like I would say like it's. It's not like, you're not going to play this and be like, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this before. You're going to be like, I've never seen it done this well. Wow. I think that would be... That's high praise. Because, uh, like, look, I've played a lot of Far Cry. i played a lot of... I love open world games. i played Mad Max longer than I would like to admit. Because <laughs> um, that game really wasn't very good. But it yeah. just, like, hook, it just hooked me. Yeah. Um, th- and, like, there's points where, like, you know, once you sort of understand how everything works in an open world game, you know what the collectibles are, you know what... Each type of mission is everything sort of filled out. It's just now it's sort of a matter of getting from where you are to the end, right? Right. Um, and deciding whether you want to do everything. Usually, like uh, pretty often, like especially with like something like Far Cry Four or Far Cry Primal, even though I did like them, there's a point where I pull back on that giant world map and I'm just like, I look at all the icons on it. And I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm not, you know, like, I'm not oh, doing I don't that. Know, yeah. man. But I, look, I pull back on this map, you know, 20 hours in and looking at all the all this stuff I haven't uncovered. I'm like, man, I can't wait to see what's in what's under all that. You know, because you're not. That's great. You just don't know what you're going to run into. And it's tremendously entertaining and fun just to wander through the world and see what happens. Because, you know, these animal, not animal, I keep calling them animals, but they're machines. They're right. But they feel like real creatures. The animation is very um, uh, convincing. And just like the way, you know. Okay, you've dealt with like the same group of like the little horse equivalent animal, the striders, over and over again. But then like you'll run into a herd of striders, but now there's uh, there's a sawtooth in the mix, right. or, there, or there's there's an animal that an animal there's a machine <laughs> that like there's a machine whose behavior is you know throws this wrench in your in your plans, and it can go the other way too, where you're like I'm going to focus on. Yeah, you run into these things called fire bellow bellowbacks, which are like basically giant fire-breathing dragon things on two legs. Uh-huh. And one of the ways to take them out is you hit their the little bag full of flammable liquid on their backs and hit it enough, and it'll blow up and and damage everything around it. It's right. very useful. But to do that, you have to kind of keep your distance and figure out what's going on, and then like you've got to get in behind them as well. Right. One of the ways to do that is to either you know use the trip wire to shock them and hold them still, or use that you know the rope caster to tie them down for a while so you get get some good hits on them but like you know i got into a, a, a fight with one around a bunch of str- a bunch of striders and i was like oh i'll assume like oh they'll run away but as i'm you know i've got this guy tied down i'm patting and, and yes they ran away they ran right at me to get away because they were in like a box canyon and they right. ran up and they ran me down oh, and, they wow. tra- and, and by the time i got up the thing had broken its ropes and was heading straight at me and just blowing fire and i had to get the hell away and completely wow. re- so there's like a working ecosystem here that really it, yeah, creates some compelling moments it's like yeah they don't really interact with each other without your interference but right. when but when you do start the fight which animals are around will drastically alter how you can deal with what's how it happening. all plays out um, and that kind of keeps it fresh, at least so far. Um, like that, you know, the footage you see there of the G- giant T, the Thunderjaw, the giant T Rex coming through. I have not fought one of those yet, right? Even this far in, it's still, uh-huh. there's still like I think four or five animal like, machine types I have not seen yet. Um, but some of them are really like that. That the fighting the uh, the aerial ones are really cool. Fighting the 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 the, the first time I ran into one of the alligator ones, the snap jaws, that was terrifying because I had yeah. no because you've been near bodies of water through the whole game, and then all of a sudden I was like, where is the 
like something's bombarding me with frost damage while right. I'm trying to fight this other thing, this fire-breathing ostrich, and like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? And I, and finally, I see there's a thing out in the out in the lake, like like shooting. The, I'm like, what in the world is shooting? So you go to the edge of the and lake. I go to like at a lake, and it just <laughs> it comes out. I'm like, ah, what the fuck is that? Like it's um. Like it's it's still surprising me periodically That's in good. terms of what it, the creatures do, what the machines do, uh, you know, this late. And then like you know, there's the little side things where you you delve into uh, like the cauldrons, which are sort of like dungeons where you have to go through in these like underground facilities. And that you know, you you fight a boss usually, which is a souped up version of one of the other animals you fought. I'm like you kind of have to like you know do some platforming puzzles and some climbing puzzles. I'm not I'm not in love with the climbing. To some degree, I mean, a lot, the climbing's pretty automatic, but like every once in a while, I like don't know what I can climb and what I can't. Yeah. Um, and that's it's kind of like the game sort of lets you figure things. It's not actually that tutorial heavy uh, for a modern okay. uh, modern mainstream AAA game. Uh, in fact, all almost all of the crafting stuff is left for you to figure out on your own. There's, I've seen people online who like, you know, they're ten hours in, they didn't realize they could craft like larger arrow bags. Right. So, right. You know, like it, it never tells you that you have to go in, you know, dig through the menus and and find out what this is and they do a, actually there's a fun thing uh i mean i guess similar to the what the witcher 3 eventually did in a patch later but if you if you have a thing uh you need like either to buy from a merchant or to craft in your inventory and you don't have the uh the, the resources for it you can do hit a button on it that says uh create job and that will basically kind of create a custom quest oh. that remind that you can activate and it shows you what you need to, to remind you of what you're trying to collect at this point, I like that. which is kind of neat. That is a neat idea. Uh, and then the oh, the other, I will give a tip to anyone who hasn't played it yet. Um, uh, you, when you buy a new weapon, and you have to buy the weapons to get them. You aren't, you, other than the weapons you're given at the very beginning, you have to buy them to upgrade them. Um, they each one gives you a new tutorial quest to like you know use the weapon to do whatever this whatever many times right yeah. to teach kind of to teach you how to use it. And early on, I was like, I was doing those things, and it was not counting them as being done in the quest tracker. And I finally figured out, you have to activate that. You have to make that your active quest for it to count. Uh, so if you have to trip... That kind of sucks. Yeah. So if you have to trip, like, three what, three monster, three machines with a tripwire for your tripcaster thing, unless that is your active quest, it will not count, no matter how many times you trip something with the tripcaster. Wow. So if you're doing those tutorial missions, just be aware you have to make them your active quest for what you're doing to count towards them, which took me uh, longer than I would care That's to. That's a admit. hard lesson to learn. Yeah, that, I, I, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what I'm, I'm, I'm I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to because like it was like something. The first time I ran into it, it was like a more specific. Oh, like use this to knock canisters of whatever off this type of uh, type of machine, and I was like. Is that not the right canister? Am I going yeah. after the wrong thing? It was like no. It was I just hate when games quest do that. Was not active. Um, one of the few little glitches in uh, in the user experience that I've run into, and the other thing that I think is interesting, and, and maybe other people that have played it uh, have the same uh, reaction. But one of the one of the things you can get uh, in the game uh, for resources and stuff, they're, they're like these like little treasure boxes, and you'll you'll pick them up from you know from uh, merchants, or you can like earn them during you know, rewards during quests, or the rewards for hunting the hunting grounds challenges. You get them like a better one depending on what you know. It's like a silver, bronze, silver, gold medal chest, and like yeah. and there's a separate place in inventory that's like treasure boxes or something like that. And you open them, and you get like you know depending on whether they're you know low or high, you can get either just like basic resources, or you can get um, you know on good ones you can get really powerful mods for your weapons and. Stuff like that. Uh, 
the whole system screams microtransaction to me. And I really wonder if there was a microtransaction system in this game that they cut out. It's possible. Because otherwise, because right now, <laughs> which thank God, because I do have limited inventory. You have limited inventory even with full upgrades, and um, so I've got like fifty of these boxes sitting right. in my box, because there's no limit to the box inventory. So I only open them when I'm like low on resources, yeah. basically. And I'm like, this really feels like there's no other reason to have that mechanic in the game, really. Yeah. Well, it's good that they um, unless it's like a it's literally a way to kind of mitigate the fact you have limited res- limited inventory space. But right. you know, so on on one hand, it does kind of make it handy, but like it's it's so much like loot boxes from like free to play stuff that yeah. I'm like, was this like not a even free to play stuff, man? Or yeah, Overwatch <laughs> not free to play. Full price games have it. But uh, so I part of me I playing I just continually have wondered every time I open one, I'm just like, was this originally supposed to be like. Pay for pay for extra Possible. stuff, thing. and eventually they just cut it out because someone came to their freaking senses. Yeah, or like I, I'm that would be if I have one question for the for the developers, that would be it. Like, what was the origin of the, the loot box thing? Is there any type of player you would not recommend this game to? Because it sounds like for the most part, like everybody should give yeah, this thing. Yeah, um, like like if you just hate open world stuff, I guess. Yeah. Like Which you, there are people that yeah don't like it. Yeah, I mean it's. It's you know like it's I guess it's not as like um, like it's not in this in open world in the same way that Skyrim is where like you just never know what you're gonna find around the corner kind yeah. of thing you know everything is very directed I'd say most of the map is used for quests one way or the other um, although I have gone out of my way in a couple places that you know far off the beaten main quest path and I have found you know extra little villages or extra little things with like fairly substantial side quests in them and like that I'm glad I did I'm glad I found so so poking around like does matter in this game it's just not going to be like the whole like oh you found this extra quest um, you're not going to find as much you know unrelated to the main quest side material as you would in like a Skyrim or right. a Witcher but uh, it's still good it's still rewarding and there's still stuff to see and stuff to find and uh, and uh, it's fun to see the war uh, the world is just um, you know, kind of piecing together what the world was, where this was. Like, if you, you know, very, very, pretty quickly after you get certain collectibles, you will start to figure out where in the world this is, um, or what it used to be uh, before the, the apocalypse. And that was fun. Um, and, uh, like, if you, if you have any kind of, like, you know, basically if it looks cool to you, you're going to like it, I would think. Yeah. Like, if it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it plays well, it plays very tight. Like, I, it just it all just really works in terms of uh the controls and the gameplay like there's never been a point where i'm just like oh that was stu-. like i you know it's not doing what i want it to do it's not it's not no it's it's rock solid in that in that regard and it's really good you know there's a lot of bow and arrow stuff so if you're sick of the bow and arrow thing i guess maybe that's a but uh that's two games with a lot of bow and arrow a lot tons <laughs> the of bows. same week <laughs> but man it does it it does it so well and it's I mean, look at I, mean, I, I, I very rarely find myself taking screenshots of things, right. but every once yeah. in a while, I'm just like, "Oh, I gotta get that." Like, right. It's like, and I'm only playing it. Now, on. the screenshot feature for this game, because there's a photography element to yeah, this too, right? There's a photo mode. I've seen some of the stuff. It's stunning. Some yeah. of the images people have taken from this game. Yeah. I mean, I thought some of the stuff I took from Uncharted Four was mind blowing, but it's nothing mm-hmm. compared to the stuff I've seen from this one. So, this is, I mean, this is on par with Uncharted Four, I think. Oh yeah, in terms for of sure. Fidelity. For sure. Uh, it doesn't have as much like debris happening in terms. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like you're, you're, 
you know, in the, in the sense of, like, the destructible fruit stands right, and stuff. Right, yeah. Um, but, like, just in terms of convincing you you're looking at a real place, and sometimes convincing you you're looking at a real person. Like, there's a couple of screenshots where I'm like, is, like, is that... A <laughs> you got to squint. I don't know. Yeah. I, you're not sure. Like, it's yeah. really well done in place. And then when you see, when you see them move, it's less convincing, yeah. I guess. But, like, um, the visual fidelity... And I'm only playing... I'm playing on the 1080p. And 1080p... Uh, uh, no HDR. Uh, no HDR, because... Um, Plasma doesn't necessarily need it right. very bad, but like obviously it's different in a in a game situation. Yeah. Uh, but I am playing it with you know the the down sampling. I'm playing it in um, resolution mode, not performance mode, because I don't see a, a much difference between them performance oh, really? wise. Um, maybe that's different if you're actually running it on a 4K TV and actually right probably. Not down, but like, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a little bit, especially early on, oddly enough, like there's more was more stutter then. But either I got used to it or like it's just not enough for me to care because um, it just you know, I, I, I don't find it to run bad. I mean, obviously, it doesn't run a sixty um, in either mode. Yeah. So who cares? Right. <laughs> it's like, Sounds I mean, great, man. Hopefully, I'll get some time to play it. I think I, I gotta, should get a polish off Zelda here in the next couple of yeah. days. I mean, I gotta say, like, just between this and Zelda coming out in one week, like this might be, this might be the best week for video game releases since nineteen ninety eight. Mm. Just for those, that, them some big words there, partner. But like, but like that period, you know, that period where like you got Half Life and Zelda, Ocarina of Time and yeah. Metal Gear Solid One, all in that little span. Yeah, like this, this like February to April period is starting to remind me. How bizarre! Of that. Is February it, to April. I know, like it's like the, it's like the holiday release schedule that never was. That should something. have been. Yeah. yeah. If this had been, well, I mean, I, I, maybe it wouldn't have mattered. We don't, we don't know about the sale, like what the sales would have been. I'm curious yeah. about what the sales. For yeah, it'll be interesting be. to see how Horizon does. New IP, female lead character. Mm -hmm. I mean, for some people that's a big deal. I don't care, but some people do. So yeah, some people we'll get see. real upset if you don't get to pick what you look like. But yeah. she's she is such a uh, you know she's a very well drawn character, and being who she is is kind of also especially because of the matriarchal nature of the tribe. Like be, she kind of has to be a girl, right, um, to make that work. And I do love that there's sort of a there is a reason the society she's part of is matriarchal, and it's it's pretty good. Like I I dug it. I right. I, was, I was like, that's cool. Like the, <laughs> I mean, not in the sense that it'd be like, oh, I'd like to live under that. It's like because it's crazy. But like, right. I, but I would like not that it's crazy as matriarchal, but it's just like it's based. You know, it's kind of based like their religion is based on a misunderstanding, right. basically. Yeah. And um, like I thought it was a really believable. Like twist on on how that would come come about. Cool. Um, and uh, it's 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 fun to just as she moves through the world to sort of discover more and more about all these different societies and what they were and what they became and what they why they are what they are because of what the area they came out of. Gotcha. You know, like you'll you'll sort of see like you'll you'll be able to start drawing lines between like oh so pre-apocalypse this was this so the people that were left behind here. Became, became this because this, right? this is what they had to work with. It's it's, it's very. I mean, the I'm amount of, shocked. The amount of the thought. Gorilla games. <laughs> the amount crazy. of thought that went into some, like how the world works, yeah. why people are who they are, and what they do is amazing. It, what was Gorilla doing all this time working on Killzone? And, and, Limiting and to be, themselves. Even down to the you know because like if you look at the Dude, the last Killzone was bad. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree. it was bad. Yeah. I had to fight to finish that game. Like it's pretty. It but it was bad. How did that come from this same studio? It's mind blowing. I, because they were finally allowed to work on something they cared about, man. That's my theory. It's really insane. And uh, like, even the you know, you look at some of the footage, you'll see like there's a lot of HUD stuff. Oh, also, 
Thank you, whoever at Guerrilla Games has a plasma TV, for letting me turn all the HUD stuff stuff off. Yeah. Individual. Everything right. can be turned on, off, or dynamic, which means they're only shown, pop, really popped up when them. you need them. Yeah. And A, that stops image retention, but B, it also lets you play the game with all the stuff off the screen. So you can just see so it in all its glory. Yeah, you see everything, everything turns off except uh, the compass up top. Uh, Which, hey. I mean, you can turn that off. Yeah. I don't because otherwise it never comes back. There's no dynamic on that because you always need it, basically. You either always need it or you refuse to use it. So that one's the only one that can't be dynamic. But the rest of the HUD. But the rest of the HUD can all go away, and that's great. Um, And uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's top quality, and I never, you know, I mean, I hoped for it from these guys, but I never, I never. Kudos to Gorilla delivering on. Our anticipation. Yeah. We were all hyped up for this game. It actually delivered. Yeah. Haven't had that happen in a while. Really? It's really good to see. So, congrats, Gorilla. Because the last, my most anticipated game before this was No Man's Sky, and we saw how that turned out. (laughs) Well, hopefully this week I'll get a chance to play it. It may be in next week's show. We'll just spend a little bit of time, and I'll bounce a couple things off you, and we can Mm -hmm. jive on it. I I hate when we have these conversations, and one of us hasn't played the game, and one has. Well, that's just, I mean, we're going to have to do the same thing with Zelda. With Zelda in a minute, yeah. Because I haven't had a chance to play it. My my Switch should probably arrive while we're doing it. Have you got your notification yet? No, not yet. All right, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about Middle Earth Shadow of War, uh, the sequel to Shadow of Mordor. Uh, another retailer leak unveiled yeah. this game. Target put it up on its website one night, mm. and of course people caught it. And then the very next morning, Warner Brothers releases the yep. debut trailer, which we're seeing, going to look at right now. I, uh, I mean, for one, they did put out a uh, uh, a teaser, like a it was like I think it was just a, a logo, Warner Brothers logo, um, with you know March eighth or whatever. And I I kind of called that as. Mordor, as Shadow. I missed that somehow. It was it was weeks, a couple weeks ago. It was oh. like it was early in February, and people are like, "Oh, is it Batman or is it Mordor?" And I was like, eh, it "Could be Batman." It does kind of look like the the Arkham Origins, you know, art style. Right. But the cracks on the Warner Brothers logo looked like ruins from like right. from, from Lord, 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 Lord of the Rings. Rings yeah. And I'm like, ah, that. the one thing that I think is funny about this is. For years, you know, people were like, oh, the, the sequel for this. And it was like, oh, uh, Shadow, you know, it would be uh, uh, War for Mordor or Fire fire Over Mordor or Fires of Mordor. And it's like, who thought? Who would have thought that Shadow was the operative word in that yeah. game's title, not Mordor? <laughs> so, it's a little uh, odd. There we go. Not surprised at all there's a sequel to this. No, I mean, I'm, I'm actually surprised it took this long. I mean, it did win, like... Consensus game of the year, kind of. Yeah, that was partly because it was kind of a weak year. It was. But, it came uh, out in a very fortunate year. I did like this game quite a bit, but it was. It was. Well, a, the Nemesis system, I think. The Nemesis is, system is great, but it's really a pretty by the numbers. I mean, it's yeah. almost a tech demo in some in some yeah. ways. Like it just it's it, it's. But it's I think not a, a very deep. I think what I liked about it, though, is that it was really the first, in my opinion, really good Lord of the Rings video game. There's been other games that have kind of like got close or had elements that I really liked, but to me, this was the first high-quality, top-shelf game based upon the Lord of the Rings. Mm, I loved Battle for Middle-Earth, yeah. which is the, the, the real-time strategy game, yeah. which is coming at it from a very different angle, obviously, yeah. literally and figuratively. Um, but I liked it. Uh, I, I, I certainly know uh, Tolkien purists are not digging this series because it plays fast and loose with the mythology. I don't right. care. Yeah, I don't care either. Um, I'm not... 
all up in it like I'm, that. I'm pretty interested in what they're doing here, where they, I guess he and Calabrimbor have forged a good ring of power. Right. Um, <laughs> See, to yeah. combat, it's because it looks like, I mean, the implication of the title in that trailer is that, like, you're going to be commanding armies of some right. kind. Right, yeah. Um, it appears that way. And, you know, clearly, you know, power is power, and power corrupts and obviously some bad stuff's going to happen and you're going to turn into just as bad as Sauron. Or right, they hint at that pretty much yeah. in this trailer. But it is interesting that um, no one mentioned this in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Rings. Like, when, you got to Gaunt, when they got to Gondor, it's like, yeah, you wouldn't believe what just happened. This other this <laughs> undead ranger with a ring of power that glowed blue showed up and all these monsters. Yeah. Bad. Everything's fine now. Think of that? It's just yeah. like, <laughs> everything's fine now. It's just a bunch of orcs. Let's go. Come yeah. On. What would you see like to see improved from the first game? I'd just like to see more, way more methods of you know relentlessly screwing with people in the with orcs in the nemesis system. Yeah, um, I would like to see the world a little more alive. You know, it was it was basically like you and a bunch of things to kill. Pretty much, and, yeah. Uh, it just it felt. It was enjoyable. And I don't think the Nemesis system will carry the second game like it did no, the first. No, no, it because has that to was be... okay with me the first time because it was the combat was so fun and interesting and different. I was like, okay. It has to be expanded in a very drastic way yeah. to make it worth doing this again. Basically, because I actually did play Shadow of Mordor again earlier this year, like January okay. or December. I played the PC version because uh, I got it for cheap on some bundle something. Right, and. Um, I had a lot of fun. It was great. Uh, it it was it feels good. You know, it's like it's it's very much Batman meets Assassin's Creed in some ways, and uh, it's just you know fun to cut heads off orcs and find creative ways to tor- torment them. And you know, once you get the ability to brand them, like you know, branding all the war chiefs and then causing mutinies and stuff. I mean, it's, it's there's a lot of ways to play with it. I'm surprised uh, that it hasn't been borrowed by other games. It stuns me. That Why no one is that? Th- well, it's like, from what I've heard, uh, and when I say heard, I mainly mean been part of drunken conversations at E3. <laughs> um, like, the people who made this, a lot of them were ex-Assassin's Creed people, yeah. and they wanted to do the Nemesis system in, in Assassin's Creed, and Ubisoft was just like, no. We got counter kills. It's just, all good. Yeah, just make the same game over and over <laughs> yeah. again. And so when they went to this place, I guess this was maybe possibly supposed to be a Batman game at some point, but then they they found they had the Lord of the Rings license. Like, well, let's do some of that. Um, but they were like, you know, they're like, oh, we want to do that. And Warner Bros. like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to do, like, go for it. You know, and, and like, it's just amazing. You know, you could adapt the Nemesis system to a Batman game for like, almost any action easily. Game, yeah. uh, Assassin's Creed should totally steal it. Yeah. Um, you can't really patent gameplay concepts, so it's like, which is why there's a thousand Pac-Man clones and Mario clones. Yeah. Um, I mean, Assassin's Creed should steal that. There's a bunch of different things that you could use. I mean, a Batman game that just lets you loose in Gotham with a car that is not a tank. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and like, a ne- you know, each, the head of each one would be, you know, each nemesis, you know, map would be like a different supervillain at the top. You have the Penguin and the Joker and Two-Face right. and all that. Oh, yeah, Everybody's totally got their work, thugs yeah. and all. You could even mix in lesser villains as part of their thugs. And, like, you could uh, use, you know, let's say you could use... Uh, um, you could even you could you know bat, I'm not saying bat brand them, but you can turn them to Batman, be Batman's informants, and that gives you some advantage. You can maybe capture some of the the super criminals and make them work for you and the other guys. You know, having like a branded version of the, some of the minor villains could like give you a certain advantage. And the other and the other thing about it, of course, it would have to be harder. Yeah, um, I'd like to see the difficulty bump a little bit. I'd agree with that as well. Um, especially as bat, you know, if I, sometimes I, when you introduce like a new I'm not saying I want the Dark Souls of Batman. Right, but, right, like, I get it. But it but should... I think a lot of times when you introduce a new concept into 
a game or into gameplay, you kind of need to make it be easy. Yeah. Because otherwise, you kind of run the risk of people rejecting the new idea mm. or just getting frustrated. Yeah, it's, and just, it's just in Shadow of Mordor, I felt Shadow of Mordor, even, uh, even on hard, felt like a toy yeah. more than a game. Yeah, and like that's I'd not necessarily that. a bad thing, but like I just hope they don't do that again. Because I feel like, in some ways, Shadow of Mordor was proof of concept, and Shadow of War has to be balls to the wall. Yeah. Like, this thing has to blow me out the back of the theater here uh, by taking the Nemesis system and doing stuff with it that I never imagined you could do with it. Yep. Um, and I hope, I mean, it's been a while. It's been like three years. Has it been? Was that 2014? 20, when, when, when did Shadow of Mordor come out? 2014? 2013. 2013, I think, yeah. Because Ben, I mean, that's a yeah. long time. I mean, this game should be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it is coming out this year. There isn't going to be a long yeah, wait. Yeah, August 22nd. Sure, it's going to That's the way to do it. Blown out big time at E3. Uh, I think, are we still getting something on March 8th for this? Yeah, I think there's going to be Because something. I think, you know, originally they had probably planned on March 8th. Whenever the leak trailer, happened, yeah. they bumped it up. So I'm wondering if we'll still get something else. But I, I think uh, there was, was something at the end of the trailer, I think, about, like, like further details or something on March 8th. But they gave you, they give you the release date at the end of yeah. it. So. Love that. Honestly, debut trailer, yeah. release date in less, the debut less trailer. Less than six months. That's pretty Great. crazy. But they've been working on it for a while, so yeah. it should be good. But I like that, you know, just like we liked the Fallout 4 thing was like, you know, announce it. Close, you know, hell, even the Switch, I mean, probably wanted more more run-up for a new system. For a hardware, but in, yeah. But really, you know, I did stop at a couple of places on the way here, and, uh, oh, there's nothing left. So, Excellent um, segue into our next topic. Yeah, so, like... Nice job. So, really, uh, <laughs> I don't think you needed to have a huge push with the Switch because your fan base was going to do that for you for this March soft launch. Yeah, I saw lots of reports on the news last night of people in line all yeah. around the United States and... I saw some people in line at uh, GameStop on the way uh, back from the grocery store last night. Yeah. So it seems to have... I actually wish I had gone out last night and kind of been a part of the lines and everything. I have a friend in town right now. We went out and had dinner instead or whatever. But I do enjoy... I can't imagine having... <laughs> we, I, know you're, I know the friend you're talking about. Yeah. And having, dragging him to a, a, a game launch would be hilarious. It would be. I think he would have had fun with it, actually. He would have been funny. I know that much oh, yeah. for sure. But uh, I miss that. You know, I, I don't know if you remember or not, but I did an interview back at the Wii launch with the Nintendo Wii Superfan. Do you remember that guy? Yeah. One of the craziest interviews I ever did in my life. Probably the best interview I've ever done in my life, at least as far as like a cultural interview with just fans or whatever. And uh, ever since that night, like I did that interview, I always, like the next time Nintendo hardware launched, I went back, because no one could find him for the longest time. I went back to try to meet up with him again, and he wasn't there. And then somebody messaged me, and he has, like, a Facebook group um, that's dedicated to him, like, the Nintendo Wii superfan. And he died. Woo! He's died. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it's crazy, too, because, like, his family's on that group, and, like, his friends are on there. And like, How, you know, he, Was he our age? Or? He was, yeah, about our age. Hmm. And uh, he, uh, they didn't say how he passed away, actually. I don't know. But, um... Yeah, like, all the people in that group are, like, I jumped in, I'm like, hey, I'm the guy that did the interview, because I was trying to find him again. Like, I wanted to bring him back and do another interview with him. And I put that on that, that group for forever, and no one ever replied. Until, like, a year and a half later, and someone wrote, hey, well, I have bad news, he's passed away. And I'm like, well, dude, like, you obviously knew this group existed a year ago when I posted hey. this. Why didn't you put me in touch with him, like, that whole time? And it was too late. So, I, when I think of Nintendo hardware launches, I'm always going to think about that guy. Hmm. And, uh... Yeah, so I, I wanted to go and do it last night. I didn't. I had dinner instead. Um, maybe I'm part of the spoiled press or whatever since I've had it. Like, the excitement just isn't quite there. But yeah. we, 
Uh, last big launch I did was was uh, the Wii. It was the that we went uh, we went to City Walk, and it was our whole City uh, Walk. Our whole uh, our Universal <laughs> City Walk, and they were doing a big launch at the GameStop there, and uh, we all went up as a, as a, as X Play team, and we all went up and went went to the Nintendo little check in thing. We're like, we're X Play, and we want Wii's. <laughs> And they're like, oh, fine. They gave us like wristbands and told us to wait until whenever. And yeah. so they let. I remember us, that actually. Yeah. Going out there. So we let us. It was. I, I just remember this story. Uh, hopefully she doesn't mind me telling it. But we went in. We bought all our Wii's or before the line started to go in. Uh-huh. So like, they, like, they let us. They hooked you up. They hooked us up. We wa- we're walking out back to the parking. Lot. The line is hundreds of people long. Well, it's City Walk hundreds. up there. Those are big launches. Yeah. yeah. And so this was this was all the way back, all the way to the parking. I mean, it was huge. And we're walking back, and it's and on the way back. Uh, Jess, remember Jess? Yeah, of course. Uh, she uh, she sees this like, now works on the God of War team. Uh, no, she's she's up at uh, Square now. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But she um, she sees um, uh, the single mother with two kids sitting there in the line. Like, ancient, far, I mean, it's nine forty-five, almost ten o'clock. The line hasn't even started to move. They're going to be there till one, two in the morning, right? If there's even enough yeah. for that. And I guess, you know, she's like, yeah, we have to, I have to work in the morning, but, the, you know, the, uh, he really wants one. And, and Jess sells her her Wii for retail wow. right there. She had cash to pay for it yeah, right there? Yeah, just, just wow. bought it right there. And, that, I mean, that kid is, like, 22 now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, a crazy thing to think about. But, like, um, <laughs> but she's like, oh, my, and she just got to go, and we, she walked back with it. And we're like, what? And I remember we got up, a bunch of us got up the next morning, uh, Kevin Pereira and a bunch of, we all got up the next morning and went out to all the stores you could find in L.A. trying to find another Wii for Jess. Oh, wow. Because she did that. We're like, we are terrible people because we didn't do that because we wanted our Wiis. So we're going to find one for her. And, like, we could, we, I don't think we did. Uh, well, you know, Nintendo fun. just sold us a bunch. Like, I just called Nintendo. And I was like, hey, we need five Wiis. And they're yeah, like, well, there's no shortage now. Yeah. But, uh, well, no, I mean, it was, like, right after then? launch. And it was, they were hard oh, to yeah, find. Oh, yeah, that's right. Their company store was, like, fully stocked. It always is. But they sold them to us. Like, uh, we gave them our corporate card, and they showed up. And then those five Wiis sat in my office on the shelf. <laughs> and, like, literally were hardly ever touched. Yeah. We did that too. We we didn't get that many, but we I mean, went way over. I remember we were at G four. We were like, oh, we're gonna need five or six of them because we're gonna. You know, this is the big new thing. Everyone phenomenon. Thought, yeah. And like, then the, it, yeah, everybody thought this is the new paradigm. This yeah. is like we, you know, this is what we're gonna be doing now. We have to figure out how to set up the camera so we can sh- yeah. shoot ourselves playing. We have to have vi- live action footage and all the reviews now. Yeah. And uh, that lasted about a year. Because the software, the compelling software, dried up. Yeah, there was nothing left. But I, but I always remember that story because that was that was my launch. Game launch store that I remember is because it's one of the nicest things I've ever seen. That is pretty do. awesome. Uh, in, in, a, in a video game launch, was just like that. That so well done, Jess. Yeah, Jess is a very nice person. She is. She's a really good person. Good um, people. That and the I also enjoyed the GameCube launch, which I went to a GameStop uh, uh, that my girlfriend was working at, and uh, I won like this raffle. To, for a free did game. Did you think did you really win it? Or? Well, it was just grab deep, you know, it was like we picked the... <laughs> I think she might have, what, the fix no. might have been in on that one? No, because <laughs> I got accused of it. Yeah, but, I bet uh, you did. <laughs> but the, uh, the, it was picked right in front of everything. Uh, and so, uh, but, I, but it was like, the funny thing is, was I'd already, or I'd already, because remember like when games used to leak out first? Yeah. You know, then, well, they then, weren't even leaked. They just sell they just came, them. Yeah, they came out early because yeah. the distribution channels were different. So I'd yeah. already bought like Rogue Leader and some, all the things that I wanted for mm-hmm. the leak. So I think in the end, I bought I, my free game ended up being Super Monkey Ball, nah. which I have never opened. Still, <laughs> it's still sealed <laughs> in a box somewhere. somewhere yeah. Um, but that was that was a 
that was my uh, my success that night. Was yeah. Like, oh, okay, I'll get let's get this other thing kind of interested in, but I was never interested enough to open it. And then like by the time I uh, was interested in playing it, I just played the one we had at, G- at Tech TV. Right. So it was just like oh, just, so I have a copy Monkey Ball that I won sitting in a box somewhere. So let's talk about the new hardware. Yeah. Just launched last night for some people, or today. I'm sure there's people out there scrambling, trying to pick up the scraps of what may be left at retail. Uh, by if you're all not accounts, in Europe, good luck. Yeah, by all accounts, it looks like it's sold out. I, yeah, I would say so. Um, whatever the allotment was, a lot of stores announced yesterday that they were going to have extra units for walk-ins. Um, Amazon said it had some extra stock. Mm. It's sold out now. I think they said they're getting more stock pretty soon, so people shouldn't have to wait too long to get something from them. Um, good luck to anybody who's out there trying to find one. I hope you do. Yeah, if you haven't got one by now, you're probably not. Yeah, I mean, this is maybe, your chances are dwindling with every pass. You might have gotten real lucky like very early in the morning, but like I, I mean, I, I looked at a couple stores on the way here, and there's nothing. I mean, yeah. it's uh, like there's it's like Toys R Us at a table of like cheap third-party Switch accessories, and, right. you know, cases and and you know various versions of the grip and stuff. Uh, there was one that was a it was like a charge and play stand that yeah. uh, solves the you know the power thing being on the ground, I guess. Yeah. Um, be, and you know a lot of screen protectors, a lot of stuff like that. But there's, there's no hardware. Hardware. Nothing Nintendo made yep. at all. Well, it is out now, so I can pretty much say whatever yeah. the hell I want about the Nintendo Switch. I did, I did, no more embargoes. Than I should say I did notice. Uh, I think it was uh, on uh, Target site. You could still buy a Joy-Con set. That's it. Like everything. Everything was sold out except the neon Joy-Cons. You could still add to cart. So if someone's looking for those. Maybe give that a shot. Uh, I people no may how... be nervous to go buy a Joy-Con right now. Well, that's true. That's true. I, I, well, what I was doing, I was kind of, I was poking around looking for a Pro Controller, but like that, yeah, that's been just, long. Gone. I mean, they're not the Pro Controllers aren't even on most of the major retailers' sites, let alone yeah. most of the stuff says like you click on it's like out of stock, whatever. Pro Controller's not even there. Once again, Nintendo fails to provide adequate stock for one of its products that it should have known was going to be a high mm. volume item. Again, yeah. Pro Controller like, was a no brainer. Why would they that. not just make? Pro controllers one to one with the system. It's not like they're just going to sit there forever. Eventually, they're going to sell. Yeah. You might as well make sure every customer who buys that Switch on launch day has the opportunity to get a Pro controller if they want it. Especially when your Joy Cons don't work. Especially now. So, an update to the problem I was having with with uh, the left Joy Con. I was having an issue where it just completely dropped out. It wasn't the thing other journalists are having where they like try to cover it up and then the, the signal gets a little weak. I had little, literally complete dropout desync with my left Joy Con. Day one update, fixed it. Literally, I can walk all over my my apartment now with a Joy-Con and it stays connected. Um, apparently, it actually didn't fix the problem everybody else was that was having, mm-hmm. which was the signal interference, being able to obscure the Joy-Con and, and break it up. That, to me, is nowhere near as big a deal as what I was dealing with, where you just could not get it to sync at all. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to be able to fix this, Matt. The, the issue everyone else is having with the, yeah, inter- the signal I mean, interference. I would say, you know, maybe if they weren't aware of it before the journalist started po- po- pointing it out, like it will take longer to get that update out. You know, give them another week, maybe. Yeah. But um, Nintendo addressed it today, <coughs> by the way. Not to me. So, by the way, they never did get back to me. Hmm. After they said, we're looking into this, we'll get back to you, they never did. Um, but they did post something on their official website today where they basically said, like, Sit close to the television. Mm. Don't put anything in between the Joy-Con and the console. Put the console out in the open, which I had done. I had put my console out on the floor in the middle of the room, and it's still I couldn't get it the left Joy-Con to connect. So 
Nintendo really has offered no solution, is, the, mm -hmm. is, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, other than the day one update, which was really small and really quick. I think I did my day one update in like less than a minute. Um, one thing I didn't even realize until I went to do the update, the Wi-Fi signal out in our living room was a little weak, so I went to hardwire and I realized there's no Ethernet port on no. the Switch. So I had to unplug the dongle that I have <laughs> plugged into my Wii U, and, plug, and the dongle from the Wii U does work in the Switch. So I have my Switch hardwired now. No Ethernet port. Why? Because it's too small. Not the console. Put it in the dock somehow. When uh -huh. you have all those, those wires threading in, to have an Ethernet port in there. It's like, and they want to charge you $90 for that thing? By the way, you can pick up extra docks today. They are now on sale on the Nintendo store. <laughs> you want to blow a ton of money on something that should have cost 10 bucks. Like, that is mind-blowing how much they're charging for that, for that thing. I was saying it's because of the USB-C thing, and that's how much these things are. And I was like, well, then maybe you shouldn't use USB-C. Yeah. Because the, the other price of USB-C right now is that it takes, you know, it basically charges in real time. Which is about the same amount of time it takes to charge the 3DS, but like, it just seems like you should be able to do better. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. Um, but otherwise, you know, I it's been nice to be able to play Zelda on my TV. Mm. I've literally played almost the whole game on the handheld, um, and again, we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, overall, the hardware, man, I don't know. If, given this hardware, a score. Mm. And I've also seen people saying that they. Uh... They've already scratched their screen by oh, really? care carelessly sticking it in the toaster in the dock. Really? Um, so be careful when you're putting your thing in your uh, putting your switch in your dock. That's not what people want to think about. <coughs> no. Being careful when you put it in there. It seems like there should be some anti-scratch kind of coating or something on the inside of that. Yeah. Thing. Well, I mean, it surprises me that like, you know you got the little like you know track kind of like rails on the thing. It surprises me they're not covered in some kind of like you know soft soft material or something just a, like a rubber yeah. just anything that's not going to scratch a piece of gorilla glass i'm assuming that's what they have on yeah, the front but remember uh you know this is the same company that did that design on the original 3ds where when it was when it was closed it was compressed in a bag or anything you had the edges of the bottom touch screen pushing into the larger screen on top and some yeah. people had uh scratches and you know just scuff damage on the screen from that and cracks in place in at, at times and it's just like you know it, it, it's it's an oversight that seems to be endemic to Nintendo hardware at this point yeah i think the i guess what i would say is i think the hardware is way underpowered that would be like as far as the tech the specs the tech mm -hmm. uh i think it need needed to be better yeah um Zelda, and again, we'll get to it in a minute, but Zelda runs at times like hot garbage on the Switch. And this is with drawing all over the place, objects popping in. The game is designed to not even draw in enemies until they get within a certain distance of you, mm. except for some. Like some of the more dangerous enemies, they'll make sure you can see them from a distance, but the smaller guys will just kind of appear. So it's doing all this stuff to, to kind of limit what it needs to draw at any given time, and it still can't keep up. Um, I saw a digital foundry feature that we curated today on the site where it runs like a beast in handheld mode. Like the frame rates in handheld mode are like way better than they are on the TV. Um, well, you drop it down to 720p, it's going to be easier to run. I mean, that's but that's that's what we're getting. And we're starting to see like a lot of the trailers for Switch games coming in at 720p. Mm -hmm. Like this is a 720p system. In well, it's a handout 2017. System. It's a handout system. 
Nintendo's pushing it as a console, obviously. Right. But in terms of power and in terms of like what they're targeting here, this is just a, a surprisingly powerful handheld, not a functioning console. I mean, the console feature is more of a nice to have, clearly, from the way this this is. I mean, I don't know if they had a choice on that in terms of what you can shrink down into with it. But again, the gimmick of being able to take it with you is limiting its functionality in terms of what kind of power they can put in this thing. This PlayStation 4 obviously does not have that problem because it doesn't have to have a touchscreen and portability and et cetera, et cetera. The other thing I would say, too, is that a lot of times when you get a new console, you're like, oh, well, it's launch games. And, you know, as they learn how to use the system, the games will start to look better. Mm. But people know this architecture already. This isn't yeah. like some custom CPU or GPU that was built just for this hardware. People have been working with these Tegra chips for years now. Like, people know how to get the most out of them already. And so, and you know, Unreal, which a lot of people are building mm. games for this system with, Unreal knows how to get the most out of the Tegra chip already. I honestly don't see games improving on this system in the way we typically see with consoles from the past. Mm, I mean, I'm not like super completely ready to say like, you know, Zelda is too much for the Switch to run and that's how it's going to be forever because Zelda was built on the Wii U. We don't know what the port process was like. We don't know, you know, how they were able to how they had to modify it or whether it was, you know, able to be rebuilt in any way to take you know, to work more smoothly with handled or with the Tegra stuff. Um, but I will say that if Mario Odyssey has similar problems, I'm going to be very concerned. Yeah. Like, Mario Odyssey is what I'm kind of looking towards to sort of give us a, a better gauge, because it's not going to be a port of a game that was in development for five years or whatever. You know, like, like it'll, it'll be a, it'll be some, the first, like, major Nintendo game built for the system, and we'll see what they can squeeze out of it with that. I just honestly don't see it as being all that much more powerful than the Wii U. I don't think it is. Really. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like. There's it been anyway. lots of comparison videos going up. I mean, they are really close, like the two versions. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I just feel like Nintendo came in way too low on the hardware specs for this, especially when you have something like the Scorpio coming out in just a few months. And look, coming this holiday season, there's going to be a big battle between the Switch and Scorpio, the two new kids mm -hmm. on the block, and of course PlayStation, which is always the 800-pound gorilla that's there. So. Those are going to be some tough comparisons for Nintendo, mm -hmm. man. Well, the the the, the I mean, I guess I don't know if advantage is the word, but like, you know, the the only thing that would drive you to a switch over the other the competition is uh, Nintendo's games, of which there will be basically be what three or four by then, and um, portability. So you know, obviously Nintendo is banking real hard on the idea that a lot of people want something like this to take with them over something that's going to look as good as it can look. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many of those people there are out there, especially when everybody that I know seems to be perfectly happy playing something like God, Game, of, God of, Game of War or whatever right. on, their, on their phone, which yeah. they did not have to pay an extra 300 bucks for. Um, also, again, after handling this thing, like I would just not feel comfortable carrying it in a bag with me every day. It like, feels like it could get snapped in half almost. Yeah. I'm just not like... As a portable system, it feels in the same way the Vita did. It feels like like a little too fragile, a little yeah. too precision instrument to me. And I would never want to. You know, I mean, we've seen a lot of controversy over the Giant Bomb guys because they dropped theirs. Yeah. And then they, I guess, the Joy Cons were a little loose on theirs, and they're like, "Oh, is it always like this?" Or then like, oh, people have not been able to duplicate duplicate it, so they think maybe they did damage it when they dropped it. But it's like, 
so on one hand, yeah, people are like, oh, well, like their worries about the loose Joy-Cons doesn't count because they dropped it. It's like, yeah, but do you think they're the only people that are ever going to drop their Switch? We actually like, curated a drop test of the Switch today. And it was crazy. I didn't get to watch the whole thing because I was getting ready for the show. But the very first test, they drop it, and it kind of lands on its corner. And the whole thing goes, wow, wow, wow. Like, and it worked. It literally bent, like, that much. Like, it was pretty impressive. Like, the engineering in that thing, I was, it was impressed. I was impressed. I mean, Nintendo usually does a good job of making something very hardy. And yeah. you know, if they make something that's meant to be taken around, and it's going to be handled by kids tough. and Yeah. Certainly the gamepad was pretty tough. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that thing take abuse in some families with kids that just like, wow, I can't believe that thing still, still turns works. on. Yeah. Um, but this, it just, you know, maybe it's just, it's just like, you know, having handled other similar tablet devices, but handling the Switch, it feels more fragile. It feels it like it would be easier to destroy. Which is something I like about it. It doesn't feel like it was made for kids <laughs> first. Yeah. And, and Which to, is rare for Nintendo. Yeah. And, 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 like, it's interesting that they really didn't do anything to try to make it more uh, kid-friendly in terms of its visuals. Um, yeah. You know, it, you know, if you take the Joy-Cons, if you're not, you know, maybe if you're using the neon Joy-Cons, you take the Joy-Cons off... That just looks like anything else you'd buy in the Best Buy electronics section. Yeah. Um, which I kind of like, yeah. I mean, but I will say, you know, playing Zelda, I have... I can't remember the last time I played a game that had this much draw-in. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you think about it, Nintendo was designing this game originally for the Wii U, and the Switch supposedly has bet more power. It's just, I'm just like, what was Nintendo thinking? Like, I don't know. I mean, it's the game, what I'm trying to get at is the game is overly ambitious for hardware that's more powerful than the hardware it was targeted towards. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand what they were doing from the beginning with the Wii U in designing this game. I just... a good question. And, like, it's, it's, it's jarring to see it like, coming off of Horizon, too, because Horizon really doesn't have much of that. You, know, like you can see stuff, they're pretty good about... You know, There's some LOD stuff in Horizon. Yeah, LOD is very, especially in certain places where on certain, certain, there's a particular road, like, path texture. with like It's like a gravelly, ground, like, like brown road texture in, in Horizon. And every single time I run into it, that you know, there's that line where where LOD suddenly becomes highest. Right. You know. Yeah. It's on that particular texture. I see it constantly, and like you're running a little up up the path, and you're just, you're just seeing the rocks come into focus as they come. Yeah. And it's annoying. That's the only kind of instance of that I've seen that like really noticeable. You can see it right here. See the LOD. Yeah. See the detail in the that. grass drawing in there. Now I don't about see 10 it. Ten feet out. I don't front. see a ton of that uh, in what I'm playing. That actually looks worse than what I've been playing. This is old footage, so yeah, this so, is not from the final retail but build. But certain terrain types, that is there. But yeah. it is not, I mean, you can see those those creatures. At the very least, you can see the lights on them yeah. far, But that's nothing, far away. nothing. I mean, I'm talking about, like, trees just on top of the hill that's, yeah. like, 100 yards away just popping right. into view. And so. also, like, sorry, but Horizon's visual fidelity is on a oh, level yeah. that's just <laughs> so far beyond Magnitude, what Zelda's doing. Yeah. I Magnitudes, mean, yeah. You know, art style versus art style, whatever, but, like... It's it's just like it, it's it's so weird. It's like it's beginning to feel like you know in terms of the Zelda thing, it's beginning to feel like maybe you shouldn't have let this thing go on the TV. Yeah, you know, because on a handheld, it, it just feels like oh, okay, well, it's got a pop. But hey, I'm playing a handheld game. It looks like this. It's crazy. You know? Yeah. Whereas like when you put it on the TV, you're like, oh, this doesn't look like everything else I play. So like, I mean, look, Zelda, which again makes me wonder why Nintendo's pushing it so hard as a console you can take with you. When I mean I know because like handhelds, there's, they don't see any market there. It's all dominated by mobile. But like 
the idea that you can take that with you is much more like you know compelling, I would compelling. say, than this is what it looks like on your TV. You know, like and I even as someone who wants to play it almost exclusively as a television-based system, like I feel like your your inroad here is. Yeah, your mobile games are cool and all, but our game, our mobile game looks like that. Yeah, I mean, that you is know? really the selling point of the Switch. It's not that it's a great home console. It's the best It's the best handheld ever released. Yeah. is really, that is your, your hook, your selling point yeah. for Switch. And they're just not going for that, and no. I don't understand why. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been perplexed by it the whole time. Mm. Um, to say I, nothing of all the... And the, then to say that, you know, the 3DS is going to stick around and we're working on another handheld, I just... That's a lack of confidence. I don't get it. Me. Like that, well, the 3DS thing to me is just like they want to make sure they have something to fall back on. With the, I guess. With the, with the user base, if this doesn't work. Which is weird to me because you, you know, if you're going to do something like the Switch, I feel like you commit. Yeah. You got to... Oh, you gotta yeah. Go I mean, in. just when you greenlight the idea, that is committing. Yeah. Like... That's a big idea. Yeah, and I got to say, one of the one of the some of the most fun I've had this week, other than Horizon, is um, reading the reviews of One Two Switch, <laughs> because yeah, I think I think I think history will prove. Will, will, I think history will prove that like they probably should have just packed that in. Yeah. Free. Well, a lot of the reviews have been, I think have been really generous <laughs> score wise. Like score wise, but the actual text is pretty yeah. Critical. The reviews they like rail on it, and they're like, oh, you know, it's I have to keep like setting it up in these different mm-hmm. configurations for every mini game and it takes longer to change the configuration than it does to actually play the mini game. Seven. It's like I <laughs> I don't get it. Like yeah the the text in the scores for yeah. one two switch have not of, been of giant. all outlets Game Informer yeah. had a score that really matched what it they did. said. Yeah I think they gave it like a four or something. Four, like yeah. That. And yeah. The, and the user score on it was the user score on it on that article is one point five. People the game are not is into not it. Good. People I are mean, not into it. It's basically like just pantomime. Yeah. It's like there's really no interactive entertainment involved with it. It's so minimal. It's like you have this little dinky screen sitting on your coffee table that you don't even look at while yeah. you play a lot of the games. It just Well, a lot of the the responses I've seen from people that got it at midnight or whatever have been like, "Yeah, we played it for like we played each mini game and then we're like, "Oh, what you want to go back and play any more any of those mini games again?" And everyone's like, "No." No, yeah. It's like <laughs> It's like, "Oh, that was cool." And we're done. Like, Nintendo like, did not send out one two switch for review. I can't imagine why. We didn't get it. A lot of outlets apparently didn't get it. Hmm. So I don't know. We may have to buy it or whatever, download it on the eShop. But yeah, uh, have fun with that. Yeah, the har- evaluating the hardware or giving a letter grade <coughs> to Switch is tough because I'm really disappointed in the guts of it and the power that it has to render real time visuals. But then there's the, the whole other element of it, like um, just it's intrinsic nature of being able to switch from TV to tablet. But then there's then there's the Joy-Cons, which when they work are actually really freaking cool and awesome and really sensitive and the motion controls work great, you know, but I again, it's it's like a it's a juxtaposition because I feel like that's something that we've kind of moved past and I'm like, "Wait a minute, I'm playing a game with the motion controls. It's very bizarre." Um it's like taking us back and taking us forward at the same exact time in a lot of ways. So it's kind of hard to evaluate. Um Man, as far as a letter grade, I guess I'd give it a B plus. I feel like um, the fundamental part of it, which is the switching, works really well. It's really quick. Um, I like the UI. It's snappy. Remember the Wii U's UI was garbage and mm-hmm. really cumbersome to use. They've nailed pretty much 
every element of it, <laughs> minus the the left Joy-Con issue and the specs of the console. And I think the specs of the console, though, may be ultimately what comes back to haunt it more than anything because we've seen these gimmicks before with Nintendo. And after a while, it always comes down to the games. And, um, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if a year and a half from now there aren't any motion control games even being made for this thing anymore, even by Nintendo. We've seen that mm-hmm. before, you know, so... We've seen it with the 3D on the 3DS. Right. And so ultimately what you're going to have when the rubber he- hits the road for this console is, do you have great games that look great and play great? We know they're going to play great. Nintendo always does well in the gameplay department, but are they going to look great? And is it going to look great three years from now, Matt? Think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, three years from now, when the Scorpio is two and a half years old, and there's probably a PlayStation 5 at that point, and the Switch is only in, in its third year, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Nintendo's got to make the, the jump back to, to parity at some point. Like, I don't know what it takes to convince them of that. And again, you know, you, the, the worst part, I think, is where you see people, like, that just don't seem to understand how underpowered this system is compared to the other two yeah, consoles. Yeah, they really don't. Yeah. Like, people expecting Red Dead Redemption 2 to be on this thing, or like, it's like, like it won't run it. I it mean... It won't do it. Look, you were looking at footage of Zelda there. What It was just the same texture plastered mm-hmm. over an entire mountain. Yep. I mean, there, look at this. It, there's... Now, flip to Horizon really quickly. Really quickly. <laughs> Apparently, Sam isn't like the Nintendo Switch. Keep the wrong one. Once you find it, then you can just click back and forth really quickly. So look at like the detail that you have there. And look at that. And that's probably one of the more flattering areas of Zelda right yeah, there. I mean, it's, that's a generational difference right there. Yeah. And part of it is, you know, the, the Zelda's using an art style that kind of gets around it a little bit. We're, I think this um, is the world's first ever live graphics comparison video, by the way. <laughs> World premiere! But, uh... <laughs> you know, and again, let's not forget, uh, the system that Horizon's running on is 50 bucks cheaper. I know! It's crazy! Exactly. That pretty much sums it up right there. Yeah. So anyway, I did give it, like, the B because... It does what it set out to do. It mm-hmm. does fix a lot of the issues that people have with the Wii U, um, but the hardware inside it, I just it's hard for me to see an, an especially successful long-term history for this console. Mm-hmm. It also, I mean, other than Zelda, it but really has nothing can, at launch. Yeah, well, I can see one for it as a handheld. Right. But, you know, like early, you know, I, I still think the idea that they'll sell the, the Switch without the dock is a little weird because... It's called the Switch. Yeah. So, like, the idea of selling a version of it that does not switch is strange unless you you start really banking on the idea you can swap the Joy-Cons out, and that that's where you get the Switch from. Yeah. Um, but in the end, I feel like uh, it's really starting to look, uh, barring what we see from Mario Galaxy and whatever they manage to pull off, you know, whatever Splatoon 2 looks like... Um, you know, because we're looking at a bunch of Wii U ports right now, and if, if they all kind of have the same issues that the Zelda port does, is going to be interesting. Where you know, because Mario Kart might even be interesting because, if you recall, back in back in the day, 
one of the ways you kind of get people gauged, unofficially gauged hardware power was you played the, the flagship racing game and you saw how much pop in there was. Right, yeah. Right? It was like, oh, it looks like this far out you can see the billboards, this far out, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think the worst one being, uh, I think it was Gran Turismo 2, had, uh, had pop in and draw in like... Hundred yards out. I mean, it was yeah. like it, there were times when you couldn't see the hill you were going about, about to go over until it was right in front of you. Um, but uh, it'd be interesting to see how because Mario Kart, uh, a racing game, makes you go really fast towards the, you know you don't have time to to fake it basically. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if how the performance looks looks on Mario Kart Eight versus the uh, Wii U version. Um, but I just feel like you're going to hit a point where it's not going to be tempting to someone who's more interested in Nintendo console than a Nintendo handheld. No, you're right. And clearly there's a lot of people that are are interested in Nintendo handheld. I'm just not one of them because I'm pretty happy with the 3DS. And in the end, it, it's like, it, it's weird because I probably would be happier with it if it was a straight handheld rather than being able to put it on the TV and think about, well, I wish it was up to par with the other things I play on my TV. Yeah. You know, that might end up being a weakness to the point that they might decide a year or two from now that selling it purely as a handheld without the dock makes more sense in terms of gauging expectations for the customer. Yep. I don't know. There's a lot of questions about the system still. Yeah. I mean, look, right now it's literally in its honeymoon. It just oh, launched yeah. and everyone's all excited about it and everyone's <clears throat> oh, yeah. playing Zelda. And But we learned from the Wii U, which also sold out pretty much, unless you're in Europe. I mean, in yeah. Europe, apparently you can still walk into a store and buy a Switch. Yeah. So, because um, Europe is Sony, Sony town. But, um... You know, the Wii U sold out, you know, in its launch week as well. Yeah. Um, it's not an indicator of anything. As we've said, the Wii U proves that 12 million people... There are 12 million people who will buy anything Nintendo puts out with a Pretty console much. on it. yeah. Basically. It's like, <laughs> and you have to yep. sell this thing beyond that. Yeah, yeah. It has to sell past that to be the success Nintendo well past wants it, it to be. Yeah. I mean, what? They were talking about selling 100 million of them. That's never going to happen. Of course not. But, like... <laughs> never going to happen. They were talking about Wii numbers. You yeah. Know? And, uh... Yeah, right now you should probably just be happy with GameCube numbers. Yeah, bro. Um, which is around twenty which, to twenty-five mem- million. Yeah, which at the time was disastrous for Nintendo because they were coming off coming of, off of, of the, the Nintendo sixty-four. When Nintendo sixty-four was a, was a, was a dip, but you know that was still when we were, everyone was holding them to the Super Nintendo standard. Right. Yeah, and before the PlayStation Two had sort of blown the doors off everything. What, yeah. what, the, the expectations of what a console could sell could sell. Yeah. Um, Actually, the original PlayStation. Kind original of PlayStation did, that. did too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but PlayStation Two. I just remember PlayStation Two. There was that point at which, with, when the sales numbers would come in, and we're like, "Who doesn't have one of these? Who is still buying these things?" It's like yeah. it's like they've sold like two hundred million or whatever. And it, was, and it was like, "Are people buying one for each room? Like, what's going on here?" And like, but the PlayStation Two sold I mean, because people wanted a cheap DVD player. Yeah. Uh, by the time the Slim came out and all this, you know, I'm sure that was what was going on there. But like. There is something inherently cool, though, about playing a game that looks as good as Breath of the Wild on the go. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is cool. For the few hours it lasts. Right. (laughs) But still, I mean, it is probably the best-looking handheld game ever released. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the flip side of this. It's like, you compare it to a console, maybe that's the best way to describe the Mm -hmm. Switch. Far too underpowered for a console, and maybe... Too overpowered for a handheld because you're getting the battery life that you're getting from it. Although three mm-hmm. hours with those visuals, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean considering. Yeah. Um, I just, I wish it charged faster. In that, yeah. In that sense. Yeah, that is um, uh, a little disappointing. Also, I saw a thing where like because one of the one of my I was like, well, if I have to play it handheld, if the Joy-Con doesn't work, 
I'll play it um, plugged into my laptop like mm -hmm. I do with uh, my my, play, my DualShock 4. I always have that plugged into my laptop at the, you know by my which is which is always near my couch or near my computer, uh, and so just it. so just always charging. But apparently, if you plug the switch into a MacBook. It charges the MacBook. Wait, the, the Switch starts switch charging, starts charging the, MacBook. the MacBook. That was that was the article I saw. <laughs> That's great. That might only be on the new MacBooks with the USB-C yeah. thing. Mine is an old one. Yeah. But uh, I was like, are you kidding me? Like that, That's yeah. hilarious. I don't know how that what that protocol is, but I, I thought that was very funny. But uh, one last thing I would say is that I do feel like this piece of hardware, the fit, the finish, and everything on it is... A big step up compared to the Wii U. Oh, it feels good in your hand in a way that... Uh, the Wii U always looked like, yeah. okay, we got this thing working. Here you go. <laughs> and then it never became successful enough for them to create kind of a more refined mm -hmm. version of the gamepad. Yeah. It, I, I mean, the, the Switch is the best Nintendo thing to hold that I've held since the GameCube controller. Yeah. I would say. A GameCube, and I know the GameCube controller gets some... some Friction from people, but I thought it was a very comfortable controller overall. Because Nintendo often does that; it'll put out a prototype, basically. I mean, if you yeah. look at the original 3DS, yeah. I mean, that thing was. Do you expect a Switch revision, like if like a more powerful Switch? It just depends on how successful it is. I mean, could that be the, the standalone? I mean, note? look at the original DS. Right, but like, could, could that be the? Junk. Could that could that be the uh, you know the the. The standalone handheld switch could it be a, a boost in power. That like if you already have a switch, oh, just take your old switch out and put your new switch in the dock, and it's better. It's possible. Um, the fact that they're working with Nvidia is huge. Mm -hmm. um, that certainly sort of sets my mind at ease a good bit because Nvidia is not going anywhere. Yeah. And once you work under an Nvidia architecture, it can be easy to do the type of thing that Sony's doing with the PlayStation Four and the PS4 Pro, mm -hmm. and Microsoft is doing with Xbox One and Scorpio. You can kind of have those incremental hardware upgrades without losing that back catalog of games. So, mm -hmm. yes, like I and think since that, that seems to be the new normal. It is really. I mean, that's kind of what our there's no generations anymore. I think it's going to end up that generation eight was the last generation, like at least the last like thing you could draw a line. Yeah, on. yeah. And now I just think it's just going to be these staggered releases. And maybe it is a case that Nintendo, maybe three years from now, this doesn't exist, and they have a, the new upgraded Switch, Switch Pro or whatever, and it is. It's powerful with a PS4 or whatever. Um, it's possible, but all we can do right now is look at what we've got. And this is what Nintendo's given us. And um, based upon having this thing for a week and messing around with it and interacting with other people, like I said, friends came over last night and I showed it to them. And, like, you know, the one person used to work with us on X-Play, mm -hmm. and he didn't even want to hold it. Hmm. I mean, he looked at it, he goes, cool, how long have you had this? And I'm like, a week. And he's like, when does it come out? And he's like, tomorrow. And he's like, they gave that to you? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, cool. And he walked away. Mm -hmm. I was like, I had another friend who was like, when we were, we were at the Oscar party, when they, and they ran the, you know, the Zelda Switch commercial. And he was like, oh, is that a, is that a new Nintendo system? I'm like, yeah. It's like, why? He's like, I said, why? I'm like, yeah. Because the last one didn't do so well, and they've got a new idea now. He's like, oh, that's, that's all right. I'm like, oh, are you interested? He's like, no, nah, I don't buy Nintendo hardware anymore. Not after the Wii. But it's but was, it was, it was, I was like, so but, but he's that he's the person he is, yeah. they have to win back, and they're not doing it. Right well, now. that's the thing. This really isn't a new idea. It's really the Wii U, and it's 
the upgraded Wii U that we never got because the yeah. Wii U wasn't a success. It goes right back to what I was saying like five minutes ago, which is... And kind know, of what people were talking about with like, oh, I can't wait to play the off-screen. First off, the Wii gamepad, the Wii U gamepad's screen was garbage. Yeah. And then the, it's like, you know, oh, you can play them off-screen, off-TV... Like in better, I'm like, I don't know about you, but my Wii U gamepad did not work in the bedroom. It didn't. It was yeah, it it didn't the signal go would drop out. Yeah. So this is sort of like, and that's what I'm thinking. Like, really, the, the Switch is just the Wii U Pro. I yeah. guess is the best way to put it. And real, I mean, more and more, I don't know what the price difference would have been back then, but really, the Switch is what the Wii U should have been. Yeah. If they'd launched yeah. this as the Wii U, I think they would have. It might have been better. a lot more successful. Yeah. yeah. But now it's kind of the same idea in. A prettier outfit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if it changes but also, people's... But also because, like, you know, I think when you look at the Wii U, or at least a lot of people when they looked at the Wii U, they made a lot of assumptions about what it could do mm-hmm. that are more in line with what the Switch does yeah. than what the Wii U could do. No, you're right. Um, and I but... don't know if they've blown that already, but it's like, I, I really hope at some point Nintendo sort of figures out a way to push it in the handheld department more than as a console because it's gonna it's always going to come up short as a console. But as a handheld, it's really impressive stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day, what's going to matter most is software. It mm-hmm. always does. We can sit here and talk about hardware and how many you know polygons it can push and how, how many teraflops, whatever. How bad the games taste. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly. But all That's of the that, weirdest damn trend I've seen really in a long weird. time. But it is, at the end of the day, all that matters is the games. And so I feel like if Nintendo can get off of that 3DS train and doesn't linger too long making 3DS games and starts getting all those teams making games for Switch, I think it's got a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fighting an uphill battle. It's like, you know, your friend. He's like, hey, I don't buy Nintendo consoles anymore. I bought a Wii and all I played was Wii Sports. And mm-hmm. after that, I didn't care. And... So it's going to have to have a robust, and that's. The th- I think the real thing that's going to be continually hurting it is it's once again it's a Nintendo system. Yeah, it, and I don't mean it carries I, a bit of a stigma. With I don't it. mean that it's a Nintendo system that Nintendo made it. I mean, you're not going to get the new Call of Duty on this thing. You're yeah. not going to get Red Dead Redemption Two. Although you you're did not, get that with the Wii U, you know. Yeah, but like you're. Not, I mean, you're not. But gonna with get, this, you're not. You're not going to yeah. get Mass Effect Andromeda. You're not. You know, none of that stuff's going to get Skylanders and Just Dance. Oh boy. Getting Skyrim that they won't even confirm is the the special, because it's not special edition because it's not. If it were, they would say it. Mm. <laughs> what if it if it, it makes it's obvious that it's not the remastered edition because if it was, they would immediately say yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Unless the only thing I can think is why would they not tell you? Because the only thing I can think is that there's something in the contract that says only Nintendo gets to say news. That could be that, that could Todd be. can't say could be stuff like that that would be the one way out but otherwise but it's a little disturbing it is that's happening it's like that game's from 2011 yeah and it better run well yep well for those of you who got the switch i hope you guys are having a good time i'm surprised you're on the stream if you have got one (laughs) and you're not out messing around with your new hardware but that's the other the part of it too is that there's really not that much to mess around with either you're playing zelda or you're not using it because there's really no peripheral features whatsoever (laughs) people are eating switch games (laughs) yeah Are eating? Uh, yeah, have you not seen this? It's uh, people. Like, was it? Was it Gersman? He was the first one. He was to the first try one to, to put the switch Leave cartridge it to in his mouth to actually try. And he said, "He said like, oh my god, it tastes terrible." Like, he was like, "What the? What's going?" on? And like, it bothered him. And so everybody started licking the switch games. Yeah. And finally, someone I think Polygon emailed Nintendo was like, "Is there?" And Nintendo responded, "Yes, there's a. We, they coded in a bittering agent. Yeah, a non-toxic bitter, bittering <laughs> agent, so people won't put it in their mouth so, so kids, kids don't swallow won't eat it. the cartridges. Yeah, because they're small, small enough to be a choking hazard. Yeah. 
Um, which and so now, like every game journalist is like licking their Switch games to like, for, like a reaction video. It's, I have like, not licked anything. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. On that note, let's move on. <laughs> We talk about Borderlands 3. So GDC is going on right now. Actually, it's mm -hmm. kind of wrapping up today. Uh, it's been going on all week. Not a lot of stories coming out of there. No, it, I mean that's it's it's not a very exciting convention for for us. News, yeah. You know, for, for I mean, the coolest games. thing that I saw was Nintendo showed the 8-bit prototype of Breath of the Wild. Did you oh, see yeah. that? Yeah, like the that's three, really 3D, freaking but still cool. 2D top yeah, yeah basically just neat. a proof of concept to try to figure out if it was going to work or not. That was really cool. Uh, there was some stuff for Final Fantasy XV that came out, mm -hmm. but undoubtedly the biggest story was they showed that Randy Pitchford and Gearbox showed the first glimpse at Borderlands 3. Um, and it was really just a glimpse. Not really all that impressive, no, what they but, showed. But Borderlands has never really been a graphical powerhouse. It's more, no. It's more about its art style, like Zelda. I guess. Sort of. <laughs> I guess it depends on which Zelda you're talking about. Well, this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, everyone's kind of down on Randy Pitchford in Gearbox after the whole aliens. And Colony Marines and Duke Nukem Forever and. And. Wasn't there another thing? Oh, uh, Battleborn. Battleborn's tanked. Tanked, and then, like, there, there was a recent thing where they tried to raise awareness of Battleborn by, like, endorsing the porn that was being made about it. Yeah. And, like, it was. A, they just got desperate yeah. for the game to succeed. And they've been trying everything with that. And so he's... His name's been dragged through the mud a little bit over the last three or four years since Borderlands 2 came out. But, Matt, I have this this feeling that as soon as Borderlands 3 is... <laughs> it all will be forgiven. Randy Pitchford will be A-OK -okay Or even if it's everybody. not forgiven, it'll just be like, well, he's still... We still hate him. But, <laughs> but we're going to buy we like Borderlands. This game. We like Borderlands. <laughs> it's like, yep. <laughs> Because no matter how much you like or dislike a developer, uh, when it comes down, if you know, if we want to play something, we're going to play something. Yeah. You know? There's the, the the famous screenshot of you know the Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two like boycott things, and it's all just people playing Modern Warfare Two. Yeah. Um, is you know I, yeah I, I haven't played a, Bo a Gearbox game in a while. I, I mean I did play Battleborn. Uh, I got it for like five bucks in a humble bundle. Yeah. Um, it was fine. Yeah. For five bucks. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which you I paid also sixty for it. Right. Um, but like I mean really it's it, the problem was it was right up against Overwatch, even though they aren't very similar games. Yeah, I honestly in, don't. I think Battleborn is a better game than its sales suggest. Like I. Yeah. You're right, though. It just got swallowed up in the vortex of Overwatch. Mm. Like, that game definitely deserved to sell better. And they're really not, when you play them, not that similar at all. No, I mean, Battleborn is a MOBA. You look at a MOBA. screenshot, you think they're identical. Yeah. But when you actually play them... I mean, they're both character action games, but, like, the, you know, Battleborn's a MOBA and Overwatch is a shooter. It's yeah. just, you know, it's they're very different things in terms of what they're doing. But it's just... And also, Overwatch just has that appeal. Yeah. You, you look at Overwatch and you just want to go over to it. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a very visually appealing game in Battleborn. It's more like a, huh. Yeah, <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Some of the character models in that game are just like, what were you thinking, man? Look at the, I, I want to play the giant guy with a little head. No, I don't. No, I don't want to play it. Because I remember when we did, the, we did the beta, we talked about the beta on the show. Yeah. I remember I played it just for that. And I remember sitting at the character select screen of Battleborn for like, five minutes trying to say because i didn't, I didn't like, like any anybody. of them yeah. I, was, I was like i don't want to play as any of these guys i don't yeah, want to I agree with you 
And in a character-driven game, yeah. that's a huge deal. Whereas no-no. in Overwatch, the first time I started that up, I'm like, I can't decide. I don't know decide. which one I want to play. I can't decide who I want to see first. <laughs> You're like, right. And that is really, like, you know, something, something, yeah, the magic matters. Yeah. Uh, ask Blizzard's bank account. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to Borderlands 3. What do you want to see in Borderlands 3, Matt? Uh, lots of guns and uh, raiders and hit points and experience points flying flying. Like flipping off people's heads. So you want to see the same game, is yes. what you're saying. I just want Borderlands again. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to do with it. You know what? Really. It's rare that when we talk about a game that where you're like, you know what? I don't want anything to change about it. Mm. But you know what? It kind of did find this its own little kind of perfect niche in between RPG and shooter. Um, others have tried, obviously. Destiny's probably the the big example of that. Destiny yeah. Two. They announced today, by the way, that. Uh, all your gear and your stuff will not be transferring over to Destiny 2. Only, yeah. like, your appearance. Yeah, I, th- I think that was expected to some degree. Yeah. Well, people are on the internet aren't acting like they expected it. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, people, freaking out. People on the internet seem to get blindsided by very strange things. They do, yeah. <laughs> so I think I would agree with you on Borderlands, that it's one of those games that kind of is, there's really nothing else like it. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly as far as, like, if you take everything together with its tone and... The jokes and kind of the yeah. tongue-in-cheek nature of the game, uh, the interesting characters. I think the main thing. Cell shading. Hope... Nobody cell shades stuff anymore. No, the, <laughs> that's the... one of those things you just come about. The Borderlands and they're don't doubling care. down. Yeah, that's what that whole presentation at GDC was about. Was how they're doing their new cell shading, and it looks exactly like how they did it in this game. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I th- I hope they come up with some classes that are more interesting. I guess would be my main thing is like. You know, each I haven't I haven't played the pre sequel, uh, but I played one and two, and I'm like I think it's time to and they started like the Necromancer is a very original thing, and and the the Psycho guy was was a, like I hope they go more in that direction, whereas like you know they kind of felt in one and two they stuck with sort of this you know there was two soldiers and there were the two. Uh, um, magic girls who's, you know... I'm in, seeing in the in chat, the, too, uh, more female characters to choose from. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, I would like to see more character customization just in general. Like, if you could yeah. pick, pick a male or female version of... I mean, obviously, you can't, you can't pick a, a male version of uh, what the hell... What were Lilith and... Right. What, what are, sirens, what they were? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, obviously, I don't make sense. But, like, I should be able to pick a male or female soldier. Yeah. Or a male or female whatever. Um... But uh, I just hope they get, get they do some uh, some more imaginative classes, maybe more than four. Like I, you know, by the by the time the DLC was done, it felt like the Necromancer and the Psycho kind of rounded out Borderlands Two pretty well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I mean, I don't think the world and level design and enemies and all that. I think that all works. I just would like to have a more interesting way of interacting with the world. I guess would be what in about terms the of my way class. the game is designed. Um... Are you okay with kind of the way the levels are built and yeah. how the game flows? Yeah, I like all that. And, like, you know, I mean, the, the characters dra- pull it through pretty pretty heavily much, much of the time. Uh, they need to keep uh, the catch-a-ride guy and Claptrap. I mean, I know Claptrap, everybody loves to hate Claptrap, but I enjoy Yeah, yeah. I enjoy him. Maybe not when the DLC focuses completely on him. Yeah. But he, <laughs> I, I think he's a good presence in the world. Yeah. Uh, and, maybe, you know, maybe the, the guns could get a little crazier, a little faster. You know, like, I ended up with some pretty cool stuff near the end of Borderlands 1 and 2, but a lot of my time in those games was spent using pretty conventional stuff. Yeah. I would like to see them find a way to kind of... I know it's, like, a lot of, you know, procedurally generated stuff, but it would be nice to find a way to kind of, um, I don't know, work with work with the guns so you can make them crazier sooner, but still not make them completely 
uh, impractical because that was sometimes. I mean, sometimes I got a shotgun that sh- and every sh- that shoots like a, a twelve buck spread, but every buck shot is actually two rockets. You know, and like yeah, yeah. and like that's cool, but. It, it burns through your ammo in like five seconds and like it doesn't actually hit anything because it's so wide. Right. Um, like stuff like that, but kind of like with an, some kind of algorithm in there somewhere that like kind of makes sure the gun is still useful in some way, I guess would be my request. I don't know if that's even possible. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's something Gearbox cares about, I guess would be the way to, to put, phrase that. Because they seem to take pride in, in, in having these ridiculous weapons and some of them are really stupid like but that's sort of the the, the fun of it to some degree yeah 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 uh, this is one franchise I'm okay with basically staying the same mm-hmm. I haven't really played anything like it since um, destiny has shades of it I think yeah but... I mean destiny feels a lot better in terms of like the moment to moment shooting yeah overall I mean that is the one thing I would say is maybe but borderlands the, has a the much controls more... felt a little floaty to me in borderlands. Yeah. But but you know, Borderlands has much more memorable characters and, and a more interesting world. And Handsome Jack, who Handsome Jack always, for whatever reason, reminded me of Kevin Pereira. Yeah, like he does. If, <laughs> if, if Kevin Pereira was like an intergalactic like madman, like he would be Handsome Jack. Yep. Which is strange because Kevin Pereira is a really nice dude. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. whatever, like just the 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 butt stallion joke. That's a joke that Kevin Pereira would make. <laughs> You're right. You're totally right. So I'm guessing we'll be seeing more of this game here in the next couple of months. Certainly at E3, it'll probably have a big blowout. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, I would, this year, is it this I would be surprised year? if it comes out this year as well. Mm-hmm. This could end up being one hell of a year for video games, yeah. man. Well, like we when you're talking about like 1998 earlier, like this could be a year that might be able to rival something like that. Yeah, if all the right stuff makes it. We I mean, even the stuff that's just scheduled right now to come out, like yeah. it's going to be up there. So. Looking pretty good. Let's move on. Let's talk Half-Life about... Half-Life 3. No, oh, God. Let's not even go there. That's what that's would have put it over the, in the 98 bracket if Half-Life 3 makes it. It would, yeah. Well, that would actually make sense because yeah, Half-Life... Half-Life 1 yeah. was... <laughs> it's really bizarre. Uh, so it was announced this week that Ubisoft is working on another Avatar game. If you remember back when the first mm-hmm. movie came out, it put out the Avatar, the video game. I don't remember the video game, but I do remember having to watch James Cameron talk about it for 20 minutes at the Ubisoft press conference. Oh, that's right. no B-roll. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Literally 20 minutes he talked yeah. about the game and they had nothing to show of the yeah. game. For, I mean... The the like the director at, in the booth at what our you know we're doing it live and like he was, he just had his head on yeah. the, on the on the <laughs> t- we're all just like oh my god this is still going this is still happening well the funny thing is if the trailer that we have to run along with this that they put out for it it's just him yammering on of course it is <laughs> they don't show any of the game all it's this- like. Dude, I've been here before. You don't. I, I don't believe you anymore. I, All this footage that we're seeing, by the way, is from the movie. None of this right. is from the game. So don't be fooled into thinking, "Oh my God, that's the best looking video game I've ever seen." Do you, did you play the Avatar game? Yeah, I played it. What did you think of it? Meh. Yeah, it was, it was it, fine. It was kind of the the stereotypical licensed video. Yeah, game. it was like for the. It was just like yeah, it's it works. It's it's a it has the movie thing in it. It's there. If you want to play it, like I don't, you know, it's like the the you know the movie based you know Transformers games. It was like, yeah, it's competent. Great. I don't know. I felt like it's the like, Avatar game was maybe even a cut below that. Maybe I mean it's just it's it seemed like shot. I can to me. I barely remember it. Yeah. Much well, like there the you movie. go. Yeah. So, <laughs> I actually really liked the movie though. I did not. 
I bet you know the movie. I mean, the movie, here's the thing: it was a two billion, made two billion dollars, number one movie of all time. Nobody talks about it. Yeah. Nobody quotes it. Nobody mentions it. It's like it was a theme park ride, basically. It was it was because it was amazing to look at and see in 3D, and you rode it, and you left the theater, and you forgot about it. And I haven't it, forgotten about it. I remember this, scenes from it that I really yeah. Liked but and, this is the man who gave us Aliens and Terminator and Terminator Two and The Abyss and True Lies and you know yeah. Titanic, which I, I like Titanic. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of the love story, but he puts you on that damn boat in 1912, and like I can quote you all day stuff from you know just the mem- memorable moments, memorable lines, memorable characters from all those movies. I got nothing from Avatar. Yeah, Avatar was a tech demo, and but now you know you've, you're seeing they're talking about the game. The um the you know, the Pandora World, Walt Disney World uh, land is opening in May. Uh, supposedly they're about to start shooting the first sequel of four. Really? Uh, they're shooting four back-to-back Avatar sequels. Wow! Uh, first one's supposed to come out at the end of next year. Are you excited for this the new the new movie the second no. one? Not at all. <laughs> I don't care. Wow. I don't. I mean, I'll probably see it because it's going to be it's a James Cameron movie. I mean, it's James Cameron. Yeah. I always give James Cameron a chance. Um, it can't be worse than Piranha 2 The Spawning which was his, <laughs> which was his first film let's not forget right, yeah. um, which I have seen actually the problem I had with Avatar was it was just a completely by the numbers uninteresting plot line that had no characters of note like, there was just no one there's no life to it ironically enough um, I knew everything was going to happen before it happened and it wasn't able to surprise me in any way and it wasn't able to make me care through these characters the characters because they were just cardboard standees that stood in for what they needed to have happen in the plot and James Cameron's better than that. And hopefully, I mean, he's been working on these scripts with these I people for years. I thought those characters were amazing for CG characters. Well, I'm not talking about, like, what they looked like. I'm talking about who they are. Like, as, as characters in a story, as someone I remember. I don't know. Okay. I think you're selling it a little short, man. I don't think I am at all. But, um, <laughs> for, like, what was the name of the, the girl? I don't, I don't remember the names of anybody. In that uh-huh. Movie. Like, no one remembers any of that shit because it doesn't matter. Well, I think the big problem, too, is that the, the nomenclature that they use for the universe is mm-hmm. not something that's easy to remember. Right. Just like just remembering, like, the Na'vi. Right. Like, okay, well, what was the name of the main character? I, that's what I said. I don't remember. Cause no, his, the main guy. The oh, human. The, the human who is trying to preserve? Yeah. I don't remember. See. <laughs> but I remember the names of characters in hardly any movie, to be honest with you. Like, that's not just because it's Avatar. Like, mm-hmm. I literally hardly ever remember the names of characters in movies, so... I, you're not the only one who can't name Jake Sully. Yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just pointing that out. I thought the best, scene, the best thing in the... Also, 3D-wise, like, a very, you know, very impressive 3D. I thought the best 3D effect in the whole movie is the first shot. Which one was that? So you see a little drop of water floating in the middle of the... Uh, like right before he wakes up out of the hypersleep thing. It's right here in, in the foreground, right in your face. And then, like, the rack focus changes and you see him wake up. I'm like, that was great. No, the because, best 3D shot is the shot when all the things are coming down in the sky. Like, they're... It's see, like, I don't even remember that. You don't remember that scene? It's just like um, like a daffodil, you know, when you blow it and, like, the little things blow off? Oh, that's... They're yeah, all, like, they're coming, all coming down, down or whatever. What are those creatures are? Right. Uh, that, to me, was the best 3D shot, because literally it feels like you're in a room filled with those little, like, filament things mm. or whatever. Anyway. Um, but there, but it's, I am excited for, for the, the second movie. So. I liked the first movie. I have it on Blu-ray 3D. I watch it every once in a while just to use my that, 3D TV. You know, the funny thing <laughs> is, that's. I think that might be part of the reason it became kind of a, a forgotten film. Is like one of the ways these movies catch on is they come out. You know, 
six to nine months later, they come out on home video, and everybody. Avatar was the 3D version of Avatar was held hostage yeah. by TV manufacturers for a while because you could only get that by buying a particular brand of TV and sending in for whatever. Oh, like that's a, right. Like for a long time, you couldn't do get the 3D version of Avatar for home use except by going through like a buying a specific TV. It was Did very Avatar ever come player, to like maybe. HBO or anything like that? I don't know. I don't watch. Doesn't it. seem like I remember it ever coming to one of those. There was a lot of weird like distribution things with that because Cameron they had certainly made their money on it. Oh yeah, I mean there was, they didn't. They don't have to answer to anybody. If yeah. he wants to make four sequels, like go for it. Yeah. But, like, so you have no excitement for this game then? I'm guessing if you don't care about the movies, you really don't care about the game. Well, it depends because like I mean, I'm a sucker for an open world thing, and if you're going to do actually that world on, you know, I don't care about the story of Avatar. I think the the world is interesting to some degree. If you're going to like expand it for the sequel and you're going to make the game part of that, yeah, I might be interested. But like, if you're going to make like a Horizon on Pandora, like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm into that. But again, it's and I assume because it is Ubisoft, like you know, it's going to be Far Cry Pandora basically. But it wasn't. The last one really wasn't. No, but that was kind of before they had that rhythm down. Yeah. You know? Now a Ubisoft game kind of is what we know it to be. I just wonder if Ubisoft will dedicate that much money to a licensed game like that. It's well, I mean, obviously we don't know what the sequel's gonna do. Yeah. But like this is the sequel to the biggest movie of all time. It is, yeah. Unadjusted. Um, but this movie the first movie made two billion dollars. Right. Nobody ever thought that was possible. Let al- for a movie, let alone right. for this stupid movie about blue cat people that uh, that people had made fun of since he proposed it in the nineties. Right. Just like Titanic. Titanic was a giant disaster. It was the most expensive movie ever made. He was a complete weirdo and, and fool for doing all this. He was just he'd gone crazy diving to the to the wrecks over and over again. He did it. <laughs> Boom, biggest movie of all time. Like that's the thing, yeah. is like, you know, I'm What is it about him? He just knows what how to tap into something. Isn't it crazy? James, I mean, the man since Piranha 2, the spawning. <laughs> don't never let him forget he made. Um, Everyone's first movie sucks, right? Typically. But, it's, but it's, I mean, again, also he's working with Roger Corman. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, but when he was let loose to do his first, what he wanted to do was the Terminator. Yeah. And ever since, you know, every single movie he made bam, since bam, then, bam. not just Bam Bam Bam. But defined the pop culture of the time. Like, know. you know, a robot chasing you from the future, everyone knows that's a Terminator. Yeah. Aliens, almost 90% of Aliens script is quoted by, you know, in general by people who have seen it because yeah. it's so quotable. And it changed action pictures forever. And horror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Terminator 2 obviously defined the modern blockbuster for the 90s. Yeah. Uh, True Lies, like... I don't have anything with True Lies. Really. <laughs> well, um, I get it. Like oh, yeah. he is. Like yeah. there's something. Every about time him. the man makes a movie, he changes the world. He has an degree. uncanny ability yeah. to so, yeah, find that special so sauce. So me personally, if it's like I didn't like Avatar very much. You're making Avatar two. Like I'm probably going to see it because it's a big movie, and I you know want to keep up on all the big movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll see anything, almost anything, if it's a big AAA blockbuster or if it's nominated for an Oscar. Like, I just yeah. like to keep up with that industry. But like, I am certainly not dumb enough to say, like, "Ha, ah, Avatar two is going to bomb," because Oh, it's not going to ball. You bet against James Cameron, you're you betting lose. against yourself. You know, <laughs> yeah. basically. Okay, so here's my question. More excited for Ubisoft taking on Avatar or Square Enix taking on Marvel? Whew. I am more confident that Ubisoft will do a good job, but I am more interested in playing a good Marvel game. Fair enough. I'm more excited... Uh, with Square Enix working on Marvel. 
because I feel like I can. I already know. We already know that Square Enix has given these games to an excellent studio, mm-hmm. um, and you know, in some case, in at least one of the studio's cases, it was they needed this because otherwise they're going to keep going down that Deus Ex path, which was just going to lead them to ruin. And mm-hmm. so, I'm, I'm glad that Square Enix was kind of like, hey, like gave him a little pat on the head, spun him around, and then sent him in a new direction because I think that's what they needed. So, there's no question that that studio has the chops to deliver an excellent Marvel game. So I'm way more excited about that. Looking at the way Ubisoft handled the Avatar, the last Avatar game, it was basically just shovelware. Um, So I don't have a lot of faith in it. I think Ubisoft has changed a lot since then. Maybe. I just don't think that they're going to dedicate the same amount of time to a game like this that they would dedicate to, like, the new Assassin's Creed, which some stuff leaked (coughs) from today. Yeah, well, see, I think... Here's the scene I was talking about. They just showed it right there. I mean, it's possible, but I I think um, if Ubisoft does decide to kind of, like, half-ass the Avatar game, they're fools. That, but that's the one thing I would say, is that James C- Cameron is kind of a mark when it comes to video games. Yeah. Like, he's easily fooled. Mm. He, he doesn't quite get, like, what's, what consoles are capable of in real time. Like, he's... He, blow, like, I remember the last game, he was gushing all about, oh, I can't believe what they're doing. And then we see the game, and it's like, bro, that's like shovelware. Like, he can be had. Yeah, but I th- feel like all they have to do is follow their formula. Yeah. All, they could just reskin Ghost Recon Wildlands. And with Pandora, yeah, and that's a cool. pretty damn good game. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Takes very. <laughs> it's, it might, you know. Just, I still think that just, might be more work than they want to put somewhat, into it. But though. but just take just take Ghost Recon Wildlands and do what they did with Far Cry Primal. Yeah. Just reskin Far Cry Four, and call it a, call it a full price that game. That would be great. I'd be like into that. just do that. Yeah. That would be what I'd say they should do. Make it a four player, cooperative whatever, and go to town. All right. Well, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about Torment Tides of Numenera. I'm especially proud of the uh, graphic for this topic. Numenera one. <laughs> yeah. oh, it, makes, it makes me think of Manumana. Numenera. Yeah. So you, this is another game that you have played. I have not played yeah. at all. I, um, I, I between Horizon marathon sessions, I was playing some of this. So I'm, I'm like five or six hours into it. How about the revival of the isometric action RPG? Very interesting. I mean, the last three years. This genre was gone. Yeah, well, Kickstarter will do that. It's crazy. Like, See, who also knew? Space Sims. Who, exactly, there's another one. But who knew that this is a genre that went away that had this fervent group of supporters that were willing to put their money where their mouth was, as it were, and invest in these games, mm-hmm. and they're all turning out great. And this is another example and some people, some outlets have called this the best of all the isometric action RPGs of the modern era. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not wow. done with it, but I would say it's pretty damn up there. Um, there has been some kickback on it uh, from some of the some people online. Where like, I don't think people quite knew. Some people didn't quite know what they're getting into. On this Lots game. of exposition in this. Yeah, well, here's the thing. This is a spiritual successor to Planescape Torment. Right. Um, which is I think a lot of people don't realize 90s. that, yeah. And um, Planescape Torment... Planescape is, a, is a, a, a setting for D&D. So this is obviously not Planescape at all, except it's totally Planescape. <laughs> um, but like, Planescape is basically... Uh, whereas D&D, you think of you know, dun- you know Dungeons & Dragons, Sword & Sorcery. Planescape is a very... Crossing dimensions, magic is also science, like... Very psychological, very 
uh, you know, there's some eldritch horror to it. There's some, you know, like it takes place in the year one billion. Like, I mean, it's just like it's <laughs> it's very strange. And like early on in Torm in this in this game, you have a conversation with inside your own mind with yourself, and you don't know who you are. And they don't know why they are who they are, but they know who you are because they're you. And their job is to tell you that you need to do this thing. But they don't know who they are, why they are, what they're doing. But all they know is that's what they have to do because you're part of them. Right. And they're part of you. But they'll always be there. They just can't come with you. And then you see them again later. They're like, hey, what's up? Like, what about that? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I, you're, it's your mind. Why, should, why am I supposed to know? Because it's your mind, too. Like, this, it's, that's what it is. It's, it's, right. it's, like, it's, it's a lot of mind-bending, weird, twisty things. Planescape Torment, the original game back in the back in the day, in that late '98, I want to say '90s in there, probably the best written game of all time. From my that's money. some high praise. Um, it is basically a novel, and the combat's kind of blah. That's and in Torment, this game, this game is the same thing. Yeah. So the the combat's turn based. It's not real time with pause right. uh, like um, Baldur's Gate. Yeah, uh, or or uh, Pillars of Eternity, which is the tech that this is based on. Uh, in Exile, built it on the same engine. Um, and uh, here's the thing: like the so the, it was like a vote they took among the backers, and they voted for turn-based. So the turn-based stuff, it's there, it's fine, uh, it's not great. I've seen some people talk about like there was like a, a, a combat situation; they wanted to sneak past some NPCs. There was like 20 NPCs, so they had to wait like it, you know they had to sneak like 10 meters. And it took like ten minutes because <laughs> they had to wait for twenty NPCs to take their turn. Right, to right. So stuff like that happens, and it's like that kind of shows you why real time with pause is, you know, in some cases a superior system because it lets you play things out faster. That turn based would make a long, long haul kind of thing. Right. But here's the good news. Um, I so there's a ba- there's a fight in the tutorial to show you how the combat system works that you can actually bypass by talking to somebody enough. Like you can actually talk your way out of the fight. During the fight. Um, there's multiple <laughs> ways to solve everything in this game. Um, and I'm, like, what, three or four hours past that, and I have not been in another fight since then. Whoa. You can, you, this game is all talking, if you want it to be. And dialogue trees. Dialogue trees, uh, choosing this, using your skills in the... You know, if you love in Fallout, the, you know, the Fallout games where you can... You know, your skills determine what dialogue choices you have. And, like, what, like I, have, I have an ability... Um, that lets me read the mind of the person I'm talking to. So, like, it'll pop up, like, scan mind, like, oh, wow. tell, me, tell me what they're really thinking. like cheating. It's a, it, I mean, <laughs> it, the, the, the archetype you have to take to do that, like, does limit you on a bunch of weaponry stuff. So, uh-huh. basically, so, like, I cannot ever use medium or heavy weapons. Oh, wow. So, I'm stuck with, basically, rapiers and knives and light crossbows. Uh-huh. So, it is not in my best... In- I am a magi- I'm a mage, so I can cast some spells, but I am- it is not in my best interest to let a fight break out. And, um, it's, uh, and, so, and that's what's what I've been doing, is I've basically been talking my way out of everything. So, is it just really kind of like a graphic novel, though? A little bit, I yeah. Mean... I, mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's like 70% visual novel. Wow. Uh, in like 30% kind of Baldur's Gate-y kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so, if you're not up for that... Don't touch it. I think some people may be a little surprised to hear that, though. Yeah, it's it's mostly dialogue, and like most of it's not voiced too. It's just you yeah, read. It's a lot of reading. Yeah, uh, and I How love it. How much does this game cost? 
I don't know. I backed it. So, uh, I, so I, I didn't buy I think it's 45 ooh. on Steam right now, but that might be like a... That's week, an expensive week buck. Release, week of release <laughs> price or something. I mean, when you start thinking about games like this, like you kind of mm-hmm. start comparing them to books, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like One of the things I really love about this game um, is like, if you, see, you can see here in this, in this city you're in, um, it has this level of imagination to the world that like you used to get in games like Myst... And uh, those like old adventure, point-and-click adventure games, yeah. Timescape, The Journeyman Project, um, you know, stuff like that, like Time Lapse. Um, those old games where you felt like you were in kind of a place yeah. that made sense, and someone had thought through and designed, and and, and a was, place that you wanted to learn more about. Yeah. Most importantly, because that's is, what's going to move move you forward when you're playing a game. Yeah, and now, and obviously, it doesn't. You don't have to do that. Like, you don't have to use a turn-based, dialogue-driven game to do that. Because, look, Horizon has a very similar thing going on with yeah. its world. But just the scope of, of the, the, the... you know, Again, because this is a planescape-alike, there are multiple planes and things you're dealing with. There's like, This first... This is, like, very early in the game. And you can't see it, but over to the right, there's, like, this, like, interdimensional clock thing. Mm-hmm. That, the you know, if you're talking to the, the people there, they're like, well, we'll help you if you fix the clock. And the way you have to fix the clock is you have to look... Like, the clock shows you a bunch of different glimpses in time. And, like, the glimpses in time all happen in the same place you're standing, but through different eras. And you have to look... Read the descriptions of the, of the scenes you see, and then look around while you're seeing those scenes in the dialogue thing, and read the description of where what it tells you the city you're in looks like in this time period, and decide which... You have to decide which of the different stations takes place in which time period from the description and then figure out which of the scenes you're shown from those time periods match each time period and lock them into each location. Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of you have to like figure out oh this took this one thing happened very recently. So you see like oh the description of looking around here, you see people that you see now in 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 the city, but younger. So this that's sounds recent. more like, and like, in all honesty, like a point and click adventure game. It's than not. An RPG. You're not wrong. I mean, it's it's like it's like where it's from. You know, the tradition of Planescape Torment comes from. It's similar to Fallout One and Two, and similar to the early Baldur's Gate, and when I you know it, where. It comes from that intersection of the point-and-click adventure world meeting that, you know, computer RPG world and sort of taking some of the tech that the point-and-click adventures had and, you know, adapting it to the RPG idea. And that's sort of, you know, and, and obviously uh, something like Baldur's Gate or um, Ice, especially Icewind Dale went very combat-heavy in that. And yeah. Planescape Torment went the opposite direction and was here to, you know, Chris Avalon wanted to tell a story and he really told the story. I mean... I mean, the script for that game must have been like you know the size of your head. Yeah. It was it was it was huge, and this game is similar. And like you can finish. I mean, this is not like a ridiculous, crazy thing. You can finish this game. I'd say from what I'm reading, about 20 hours. That's not bad. Um, and then of course, it's not like an insane. There's commitment. so many different ways. I mean, to do it. I mean, look, the fir- very first. Well, you can go back and play it again. And play it again, it. again. Play it as a very totally different character. Play it as a combat heavy thing if you want to. You can. You know, there's all these different archetypes to play with. You can mix and match however you want. And so far, I haven't run into a point where, like, there was no no way to get past something. And then, of course, the other thing about it is failing is interesting in this game. Failing is very rarely a uh, game over. Sometimes it's just a different path. Right. And the game is ready for you to fail certain things and to ma- adapt the story to that failure. Are you enjoying the game? Yeah. It's. I mean, it's... it's, it's 
not something I'm sticking with for hours and hours at a time because I, you know, after a certain it's point, it's a good deal. Like if you tired. have to, though, to keep track of everything that's Somewhat. going on. And but there's a very good journal uh, you can go back back to and read. Um, it's it's a little archaic in terms of like the user interface and stuff. I mean, it's 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 a throwback game. Like it's not pretty. It's you know the the character models are are not tremendously detailed as you can see. Yeah. Um, I do love like if you see the one character there that's sort of like has ghosts around yeah. her. Yeah. So she's she exists in like multiple planes of reality at once. So all those oh. ghosts are <laughs> other versions of her right. in a different timeline. In a different timeline, and they're all they all can talk to each other and see each other and call each other sisters. Wow. At one point, there's a moment where she's she's like like she doesn't like your companion that you're with. And at one point, she's she's like, "You have no idea how many other timelines are I just straight up killed you." Oh, there goes another one. You know? <laughs> it's like it's like, and it's like it's very it's like that. Like the the fantastical and the and the crazy and the multi multi planar weirdness is a part of everyday life in this world. And like that is a really int- I, I find that a very interesting and routinely surprising. The way they present it to you and deal with it is very, routinely surprising and, and weird. In, I don't know. I guess in kind of almost like a Mobius, like French comic book way, like yeah. where, where that that kind of the imagination that 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 permeates those those old Mobius books, um, that just there's no equivalent, you know, in in American fiction. And I get that kind of that kind of it's almost an unease that it creates that like nothing else does that. And uh, I I really like it. Um, it's it's not for everyone, particularly people who don't like reading. Yeah, um, or people who maybe like a little more action. More in the action. Video I mean, games, the, I mean, yeah. also, the combat is not good. Yeah, it's 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 passable at best. Well, right there, I just flash up where combat is not the only option. Yeah, and believe me, you'll be happy it's not. <laughs> yeah, because it's yeah. it's kind of an it can be annoying. It can you know, and and you can definitely build a character that is not suited for combat. Yeah, and the good thing about the game is it makes sure that you can still play the game. And not have to worry about that, but it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, you can you can fight your way through anything. Like you got it. Uh, and for a similar thing to that, I would say um, uh, Age of Decadence came out, I think, last year or the year before. Very similar thing, where you have to, you have to pick your role in the game, your class, and you got to play that role. Age of Decadence has a merchant uh, character class where basically you talk your way and bargain your way out of everything. Huh. And if you decide to get in a fight as a merchant, you're probably going to die. Like, like right. it's, it's like you, you have to, to you have to play it. your character. You are not a jack of all trades. It's not a Bioware game. Where I you can appreciate just, that. Where you yeah. can just like, oh, I'm a mage who specializes in computer use, but I can also like blow somebody <laughs> away with a, with a cannon. Spo- or I also am a master of explosives. Right. <laughs> um, this is these games are more for like you want you you want to pick a, a a role and play it in the world and go through the story like that, and you're not. Worried about missing out on stuff because there's just certain things. You know, there's a there's an early quest where you they want you to some guy wants you to steal something, and my character is just not suited for that. It's not what he does. A yeah. suited for that, and B um, wouldn't want to support the person who's doing this. So I said no. Right. And and that's that. Oh. Like you know, like it, whereas like in a Bioware game, I'd be like, yeah, I'll do whatever the hell you want. Let's go. Right. You know, like it's, it's not <laughs> you don't that even important. Think about you know? it. Yeah. Because you're always going to be... It's not like a AAA, you know, big release now where, like, you're always going to be somewhat, somehow equipped to complete whatever quest the game throws at you. Whereas a game like Torment, you have to make your decisions carefully based on what you've built your character to do. Like, it's a game is not going to help you if you are, you know, you're a big, clanking soldier guy 
trying and, to and they like, be oh, we want, yeah, we want you to sneak in and do. No, you're not going to make it. <laughs> right. And you know, you know, you probably do have options to to fight your way out of that, but like, it's going to be tough. Yeah, sounds like it's actually a little more realistic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, except for the fact that nothing is normal at all. I mean, right. But it's uh, it it really leans on what you're building your character to do and what, and how you're responding. Every dialogue choice almost makes makes a difference in this game. All right, well, let's move on. We're going to talk next about everyone selling video games. Matt, maybe sifted. We should open up our own little retail shop hmm. for video games because it just seems like everyone's doing it these days. It was announced this week that Twitch will now sell games. So streamers say they're streaming a game. Mm. Say they're streaming Breath of the Wild. If someone's watching the stream, they will be able to purchase Breath of the Wild. While they're watching the stream, the streamer will get, I think it was 5% of every sale. I mean, wow. that could add up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, it's a great idea, a brilliant idea. And, I mean, if you're a publisher, you love it because you're reaching the fans. These people are being turned on to this game, and then right there in that same interface, they can buy that game. Mm -hmm. It's genius and it's good for twitch because it it's that's a direct metric of what kind of influence they're having because that number has always been fuzzy yeah it's always been like okay well x amount of people watch a stream what is the percentage of people who may go buy that game it's always been they've had to do a survey or they have to talk to it go through all this data to try to figure that out Right mm -hmm. now, now the proof is just right in the pudding. Right, and now you got to wonder if like if there's going to be any kind of like incentive. It could hurt Twitch to... though, because if people aren't buying the games, and then it exposes Twitch as True. like, you know what, people really are watching other people play games because they do not want to buy the games themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could it could actually backfire a little bit where yeah. the publishers are like, wait, we have the data now, bro, like. We don't want to pay you that kind of a rate for advertising because it's obviously not working. It's a gamble. It is. I mean, it's great. I love that Twitch has kind of just pushed that all to the side to create a service that's as good as possible for its users. And I think that's that's where you're successful or whether you fail, mm -hmm. whether you're a website or a service or something like that, is always thinking about your users first. So I feel like Twitch, right on the money in that regard. But it could ultimately come up and bite them in the ass. And then the other thing that was announced this week... Microsoft announced Game Pass, basically taking on PlayStation Now with a game streaming service for Xbox. They're saying it will not hmm. affect games with gold each month. We're still going to get the same free games we would have got normally, but it's basically going toe-to-toe -to -toe with PlayStation Now. How do you think it's going to fare against Sony's service, which has already been around for a while now? Um... I don't know. Like this is that's an alien world to me. I don't yeah. I don't do the PlayStation Now thing. I don't either. But I think what you need to look at is the library, right? That's mm -hmm. available. Do you feel like Microsoft's library is going to be one that's going to be able to, to compete with that of PlayStation? Um, I mean, if they dig into the back catalog, sure. Uh, like, how does it do three sixty games as well? It does. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's that's a pretty good toe to toe there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it kind of parallels. What's going on right now, which is who has the which has the best first party games? Yeah, um, and right now it's no competition. I mean, Sony's just kicking ass and taking names right now as far as first party output is concerned. And Microsoft, I mean, I'm looking in 2017 and I'm like, what am I going to play on my Scorpio? Like, Crackdown Three? I don't know. And I was like, it's like I um, I was waiting for Horizon last week. Um, uh, I was digging through my systems. I was like, oh, what's in here? What haven't I played? I found the uh, 
the uh, that demo the demo I downloaded never really played of Recore. Yeah. Which was like a thirty minute time yeah. thing. So I loaded. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. I got, yeah. oh, it's all right. It's fun. I got oh, okay. You know, buy the game to continue playing. I'm like, all right. I'll buy the. It's like fifty fifty four bucks. It was it was like you know on, uh, I don't remember what it was like forty or something bucks on the. I was like, nope. No and I way. and I looked up. I went looked up on Amazon. It was like fourteen ninety nine for a code. Wow. So I'm like done. And so <laughs> and, then, and I bought it. I, you know, I got the code, put it in. There we go. I'm like, there's your problem, Microsoft. Well, like, actually, the last episode of Pactor Factor talks about that a little bit. The, now I switched to playing on my PC, of course. Yeah, the disparity between the cost of digital games and the cost of retail games, because there's some countries where you can actually go buy retail cheaper than you can buy them digitally. And he. He explains it's a real one of the probably one of the best answers he's ever given to a question ever on Pactor Factor, and I feel like a lot of people may have heard the question and just clicked and stopped watching it. You should go back and watch it because you will learn something about how gaming retail works in his response there. What I found was most interesting about this story though was that as soon as Microsoft announced Game Pass, GameStop's stock say that five times fast plummeted. Hmm. And I can't quite understand what investors were thinking there. Because I think a lot of investors are waiting for. They think GameStop's used game market's just going to go no, down the they, toilet. No, they think that they're waiting for the thing that kills GameStop. That's really what's happening there. Is they're waiting. They don't know what it's going to be, and they don't know when it's going to be. But they're all expecting something to happen to send GameStop into that final tailspin. And every time someone announces anything that feels like it would impact brick and mortar retail sales or their kind of pawn shop business model, uh, somebody panics. And I think that's what's happening. Well, a lot of people there. panicked. Yeah, obviously. I mean, for the stock to go down that much on the heels How of far this did news, it, go? it lost like five percent. Wow. Yeah. I think that's what's... I mean, people are basically jittery about GameStop to some degree and, and wondering when that's going to happen. Because it is... I don't think it's, it's going to happen right now, but yeah. like... Uh, Brick and mortar. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's what... I mean, anytime any major company like Microsoft or major publisher announces like, oh, we have this new way to get video games uh, that will no longer feed into the used game channel, everybody who's invested in GameStop kind of goes, whoa, like, like Yeah. So that's probably what's happening. It's crazy, though, because Sony service has been out there for forever... And that well, they're used because they're used to it, right? But I just think it's funny. It's like that didn't impact GameStop. Yeah, when... I mean, investors are like gazelles. Yeah, you know? like, no, they are. You step on the twig they're and like, they're like, fish, yeah. and then they <laughs> run away. You know, <laughs> you're right. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I think it's an overreaction on the part of uh, almost certainly the yeah. stockholders for GameStop. Yeah. But I could see long term is more of these services start popping up and people have less and less reason to go and buy used games. But I just wonder how much of GameStop's business is legacy, is older Xbox 360 and back as far mm -hmm. as like the, the, the pawn shop business model. Yeah, well, it can't be too deep back because they do have a cutoff. Oh, they do? Yeah, they don't carry stuff, I think, more than two generations old. Oh, I thought that they just started cover carrying uh, N64 stuff again. I thought they just announced that. Did they? I haven't yeah, seen that. Yeah, I thought for sure. Well, for a long time, like, you couldn't sell back stuff older than, like, PlayStation 2. Well, them. because they probably give you a dollar, 50 cents right. for it or whatever. Well, so there's, then, just, there's only so much shelf space. Yeah. So. Yeah, the stock and everything, the way that they have to handle Because that is the one thing about it. Like, it is physical stuff. Yeah. Like... Even though it's all going away now, now that whole catalog is on like a thumb drive. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy how everything has changed over time. But uh, I feel like it was an overreaction by the stockholders of GameStop. Uh, I don't think this spells imminent doom for no. the retailer. 
Um, there is going to be a GameStop as long as people sell games at retail. I mean, it's like the when, bigger danger when Walmart GameStop, closes up its game section, then panic. Yeah. The bigger hurdle to GameStop's future success, I think, is stuff like what Twitch is doing. Being able to buy games anywhere at any time. Like, to me, that is what's putting GameStop in serious danger, is the proliferation of retail everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you don't have to go to Amazon.com or walk into a GameStop anymore to buy games. Like, you can get them almost anywhere. And I think as more companies start integrating e-commerce into their websites, that's when I think GameStop has a big problem. Because mm. GameStop was slow to get into digital anyway, and it was already kind of too late by the time it did. And you have the first-party storefronts on Xbox Live and PSN and the eShop with Nintendo. There's just more and more ways to not spend your money at GameStop, I yep. think is what I'm getting at. So I'm, I mean, I, I poke my head in GameStop when I'm like passing by yeah. somewhere, but I don't remember the last time I specifically went to GameStop. I go into the holidays to get whatever mm. relative wanted a video game that year. I go in and buy them games, and that's like the one time a year I go in mm. there. No, I, I went in I for usually, a PlayStation VR. I used to do that, but I usually do that through um, Amazon now because I get the Prime discount. Yeah, 20 bucks off, brand new games. Yeah. Can't beat that. Can't beat it, for sure. Amazon Prime is a great deal. Although uh, Best Buy's Gamer Club thing is pretty good, too. I don't... How does that work? It's like 30 bucks a year, and you get, like, the same deal you get with Amazon Prime, and then, like, there's a... If you're trading... It's only 30 bucks a year instead yeah, of 100 or whatever. Like and, like, if, I don't know I don't know if that's exactly the price, but it's, like, a, it's a reasonable yearly fee, and then you... Uh, um, I think you get a bonus or something, or points or something when you trade stuff in... Like it's a pretty good deal. If you're if you're it's better deal if you're into trading games, used games, which I don't do very often because right. I'm usually pretty sure about what I'm buying. Yeah. But um, that I want to keep it basically. But um, if you're uh, if you're if you're regular trade in, like it's 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 a really good deal apparently. And only thirty bucks instead of a hundred and seven, I think. Prime yeah, I don't. I might not have that number right, um, but it's uh, it's a good deal. Uh, I, I I continually see people uh, say it's it's like how they buy games now, physical games now, is through Best Buy's Gamer Club. So the, the the big the big boys are catching on, yeah, basically, and we'll see. You know, GameStop you know already has a pretty bad rep with most of our core gaming demographic. So we'll see. Well, the how other much part of it too lasts. is that you know on Twitch or wherever you know you, you have fans of these people who are streaming and they're going <laughs> to want to. Help them out. Help them out. Yeah. And it's like, why would I go buy this at GameStop if I can buy it right here on this stream and mm-hmm. support this guy that I really like? And you got to wonder if, like, that would be, you know, helpful in, like, a That Dragon Cancer situation. If the if the guy playing, streaming it can be like, hey, you know, help this guy out. This is a, you know, I'm a, right. this is a great game. You know, helps me out, helps him out. Like, you know, go for it. Yep. Like, do, if you can work out something like that, it could Where it gets dirty, games. then, is you start having, like, Twitch streamers, like, begging. Right. Like, like right now. Please go buy games on our stream. Yeah. Like, seriously, like, it'll get like that. It'll go the next step beyond the give me a thumbs up and a like and a share and all that crap mm. that people do on... Give me a various... like and a share and a subscribe and a buy. Yeah. <laughs> They're just going to add it right onto the spiel, I guess. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. We, think... Well, we can do that on, on this stream and just, like, point down and be like, don't click the button. It's yeah. terrible. <laughs> don't buy it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> It's like reverse like <laughs> psychology. They'll be like, screw you, I'm buying that game. No, don't. No, don't. De- 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 deactivate <laughs> don't the button, Sam. Deactivate the button. 
We actually don't do any of that stuff. Like, we don't have tips. Like, we don't have a way. One thing I wish we could do on our stream is have a way to know when new people subscribe. Because mm. when I finish every broadcast, like, I'll have, like, 10 or 15 emails from people who just subscribe to our channel. And we had no idea. Like, how do these people set it up so that, like, when someone subscribes, they get an alert? I'm too old to know that. Yeah, <laughs> I am too. Sam, I can't do you figure know that? it out. <laughs> you're, you're, young, you're younger than us. Put it in the chat. Yeah, because I would love to be able to recognize somebody when they subscribe to the channel. Because I think mm -hmm. that builds a lot of channels. Is like when somebody subscribes, they're like, hey, thank you for subscribing. And like, people are doing it right now. And we're just, it's just totally going by. So maybe in the comments on the archive, you guys can uh, yeah. fill us in. If some of you guys are like streaming demons or whatever, you can fill us in on that stuff. Let's say and it's a chat bot that does that. How do you even like use a chatbot? I think we'd have to have somebody like monitoring the chat, or <laughs> we'd have to be a bigger operation. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like we uh, moderator. What make you, you a moderator? You can't even make me a moderator. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that is. You have to type something in so I can click your name. I think. Or we tried that last week and it wouldn't work. Anyway, it's time to move on to the Legend of Zelda: Breath of mm. the Wild. Uh, gave you guys kind of a preview of it with last week's show, with a maybe a little bit of opinion sprinkled in there. For the 14-page uh, Yeah, the embargo crazy and embargo and NDA that I was under, it didn't uh, really let me share how I really felt about the game. But today, I can tell you everything and anything you want to know about Breath of the Wild. Um, unless you've been living under a rock or you've been working your ass off at your job or whatever, I'm sure you've seen by now the absolutely insane review scores for breath of the wild maybe the highest reviewed game i've ever seen uh, it might it has a shot at catching uh ocarina in terms of meta metascore yeah uh i didn't think i'd ever see the day that that would happen well that was why it's my first draft pick yeah wow yeah you <laughs> yeah you're uh you hit the jackpot on that one i'm praying now that mass effect comes in at least a nine or higher um Wow. The first thing I have to say is wow. Um, having played, I've now played this game 30 plus hours. And that is the first thing I said when the review started rolling in yesterday was wow. <laughs> that doesn't wow. sound like a good wow. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Like that was pretty much me verbatim when those reviews started rolling in. Because just off the top, it's a great game. It is a really good game. I've played it for 30 hours. I'm still enjoying it. I'm still having fun with it. But wow. <laughs> wow. That's, man. I think what struck me the most after I got over that everyone was just giving it a perfect score, and I mean everybody, it's was... kind of funny. Yeah, I guess. I mean, not everyone did get a perfect score. Like, Easy Allies gave it like a four and a half or something Was it like Easy that. Allies that did that? Maybe. Maybe it wasn't kind of, maybe I'm thinking of easy yeah easy alleys well give it a the, and 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 here I'll say this too the the guy who reviewed it for easy allies the last Zelda game when it came out he took it home and put the whole game up on YouTube <laughs> yeah before it came out hmm. yeah yeah so he is like the world's biggest Zelda fan I mean I've never met someone who loves Zelda the way he does. Like, he didn't give it a five. He did not. He gave it a four and a half, but not a five. But anyway, what I, was, what I was saying earlier is that what struck me after I got over the fact that everyone was giving a perfect tense was that reading the reviews, 
Nobody had any criticism of the game whatsoever. Like, you look at, like, a lot of reviews will have pros and cons, and, like, the con section is just, like, empty. <laughs> like, it's, like... <laughs> It's like, the worst thing about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is that it might be too good. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I have tons of criticism for this game. And again, well, like, just, I'm not saying it's not a good game. It is. It's a great game. And it's one is probably top three or four Zeldas for me. But I've seen a lot of talk about the technical shortcomings. Yeah, I mean, we talked about like, that already when we talked about yeah. the Switch hardware. So I don't want to be... But that alone seems... You know, a lot of stuff gets docked for stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to beleaguer it. I mean, the one thing we didn't say that I... You know, I was talking about the draw-in and the repetitive textures. I mean, look, just look at what you're looking at right now. That is the same texture just slathered over and over on the world. It's the frame rate drops, dude. The frame rate drops in this game drop, like, to unplayable levels often. When it's mm. in console mode. Handheld mode, it runs great. It is so freaking bizarre. Like, and you know they've dialed back the processing power for the handheld mode so the battery life doesn't get hammered. But less power, at 720p, it runs way better than it does on a TV with more power at 900p. Mm. I think well, that's... 720p is a lot less than uh, 900. I mean, that's a substantial jump. I guess... I mean, it also looks better on the handheld than it does on my TV screen. It's yeah, all well. blurry and textures are not good on the TV. But let's talk about the game itself. Um, I don't want to sit here and beleaguer the graphics. Everybody can see it for themselves how the game looks. And look, don't get me wrong. They, I thought there are moments of the game where it looks amazing. Right. As well, well. There was a, I saw there was a patch that went up, and some people were saying it, it fixed the, the worst of the frame drops. I haven't got a patch you, for this yet. No? No. Hmm. No. But I haven't played it today. I played it last night. Okay. So maybe they put out the patch today? I don't know. I was, I was seeing it overnight, uh, but I, I, I wasn't clear on when the patch had gone up. I thought it, was, it might have been the same as the patch that uh, helped with the Joy-Con problem you had, but apparently not. Yeah. Um, no, there was no patch for Zelda in there. That was just the okay. firmware. Because the notes on the day one patch for Zelda said something about fixing the frame drops. Now, I don't know if that actually happened. Yeah. But... Uh, It'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I will say is that Nintendo has done an amazing job bringing this franchise into the open world because it still feels like Zelda. I mean, they've completely changed the core. I mean, some would argue that they just went back to the style of the very first Zelda, which is kind of true, but it kind of goes completely against what a lot of the previous Zelda games have been like, particularly like Skyward Sword, where it had that weird like interface where you got on the bird and were like flying in the (laughs) sky and then you'd like basically base jump down to the levels. This game is all seamless. There's really no loading times. Everything loads on the fly. The whole world is just there, rendered, ready for you to go. Um, And despite all this, having this huge world... (laughs) I love how unimpressed Link looks like, looks right in that shot. He's just like... This amazing, like, vista with all these... And he's just like, mm. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So you have this huge world where a million things could go wrong, but somehow it still manages to retain that Zelda imprint, that Zelda stamp, that special sauce that makes Zelda what it is. It still has it. And I think a lot of it is the characters. A lot of the characters you're familiar with, you know a lot of the races from prior Zelda games... Um, so you're kind of familiar with it, and I think that helps kind of uh, spackle over some of the rough edges, so to speak. 
uh, as far as like the unfamiliarity that you have with this game as far as how it's designed, um, having those characters there definitely helps ingratiate you uh, into this, this new sort of game design. But a lot of it is just the charm of the game. It's just there's something about the Zelda team that they do certain things the same way across all their games. Just the way characters react, um, the types of characters that you run into. I, feel, I realize now that I've played Zelda for so long, like you can kind of figure out, like once you meet a character by their animation routine, what kind of a character they are. Are they going to help you? Are they going to hurt you? Are they going to give you a task? I almost feel like I'm a clairvoyant Like when I play this game. I, like, I walk up to someone, I'm like, oh, you're going to tell me to go somewhere else and get something. And then they do. Are the, are the NPCs in this as weird as the usual Zelda game? No, they're really not. Like, you, you know what I'm talking about? Where, like, no, when Ocarina showed up and all of a sudden everyone was like a mutant? No, no, they're not. Um, and there's a lot of back and forth in this game where you run into an NPC somewhere out in the middle of nowhere and they'll say, hey, there's this guy back in this town that I need you to talk to. And you will rem- you'll remember talking to that person in that town. I don't know how or why. But I'll be like, yeah, know what? I know exactly who you're talking about. And because there's a really good fast travel system in the game, it's very easy to just zap, travel right to that town and and kind of finish that side quest like right away. Where I'm having my biggest issues and criticisms with this game is travel. So right now you're seeing the horse. The horse is great when you have wide open areas like this, but there's lots of places where the horse just won't go anymore, like on certain cliffs. So just be like, nope, I'm not going. You have to, and you have to do a lot of time on foot in this game. And basically what happens, the way the game is designed is, you go through the early stage of the game, and then, and there's stuff I don't want to spoil, you're basically, they show you where the four dungeons are on the map. And Matt, I do have to say, that what you were saying all along about how there aren't Zelda or aren't dungeons in this Zelda, you were kind of right. There are no proper Zelda dungeons in this game. Wow. Again, I don't want to spoil what it is and how the dungeons work, but there are four quote unquote dungeons, and they're they take maybe twenty minutes to complete. Um, I've been in shrines that have taken me longer to complete than what are supposed to be the dungeons in Breath of the Wild. Um, And so anyway, once you get to a certain point of the game, they're like, okay, here are the four dungeons that you need to go visit. And they plop them down on the map. And there's there's, there's no indication of what is in between you and that point on the map. It's just like, okay, you need to start heading in that general direction towards that dungeon. And the world is so intricate and wound together like spaghetti that it's very easy to head off in an entirely wrong direction (laughs) for like 30 minutes and then get to a dead end. And just literally get to a place where like the world doesn't go any farther and then you have to warp back to one of the shrines you previously visited. Because that is one of the advantages of finding a shrine, is it creates a fast travel point for you. So, mm. And look, along the way, maybe you find a shrine to take on, or maybe you find a great weapon or something. So it's not like you're completely wasting your time, but there, you, there's a lot of time spent playing Breath of the Wild where you waste it. <laughs> like You feel like you just burn like 40 minutes of your life for nothing. Um, because even once you travel through some of those territories, the map doesn't really fill in until you get like a particular thing. 
that will actually show and reveal the detail of mm. that area of the map. And so the map system to me, I fe it feels a little archaic. There's, you spend a lot of time just kind of running around wondering what you're supposed to do. And then sometimes you'll travel for five or six miles and you'll get there and you'll realize that you do not have the clothes that you need to enter that area. Either you don't mm. have clothes that are warm enough or you don't have like enough cooling agent or whatever the weather may be. You don't have what you need to offset cooling that. Cooling agent, just take your shirt off, Link. <laughs> you don't have what you need to get into that area. So then you have to go back and warp back and try to find a shop where you can buy the stuff or you have to go and farm rupees. Uh, there was one section of the game where one of your allies gives you bomb arrows and then says, okay, we're gonna go fight this blank. So you go and you fight the blank and they don't tell you like, you know, use these arrows sparingly because when you, cause he gives you some, he's like, hey, I'll help you. And he gives you some, he doesn't tell you that if you use all those arrows and you don't defeat what you're trying to defeat, there's no more. So you have to then go back and try to find some place to buy bomb arrows, which it just so happens are in the town, but they'll only sell you like an X amount of them. So, and they're crazy expensive. So you end up spending like all your rupees you have on, there's all kinds of little quirks like that in the game is what I'm trying to get at, where it's like, it doesn't feel like everything was completely thought out. But then there's other parts of the game where it's just like mind blowing, where you can do little things that you never thought, like being able to combine like different parts of your attacks together, uh, being able to like use your shield as like a snowboard, and then hop out of that, and then go to shoot your arrow in midair, and it slows down time, like bullet time. Like there's all kinds of cool little stuff like that. It's it's a Zelda game. Like Zelda games always have these little like Easter eggs or just cool little attentions to detail. Um, and this game has that in spades. But it also has, in my opinion, th some things that it seems like weren't completely fleshed out or maybe even the consequences of some things were maybe a little overlooked. Um, because there really are no dungeons and there's just four and you can get through them really quickly, this is the game, like what you're looking at. This is what you do for however long you spend playing Zelda. It's either riding around or running around discovering, finding new little pieces of terrain. Um, it's little buildings like the one that we just flew to right here. Um, it's finding a cave. It's stumbling upon like a little mini boss out in the middle of nowhere. Um, a lot of people will play this game and never experience the same things as somebody else. Like I literally just stumbled into a boss out in the middle of the woods, just in the middle of nowhere. It's, uh, it was the big rock boss that we've seen mm. in the trailers. Like, I just found him. Like, there was no build-up. There's nothing, no waypoint telling you to go and fight this. It was just, I'm just walking around the woods, and there he is. And that's the one thing I kind of like about the way the, the this new game is designed. But I do, I honestly feel like I want a more guided experience from Zelda. And I know some people may think that's crazy or whatever it just i just feel like i've wasted a lot of time playing this game i guess <laughs> is the best way i can put it and it's not it's boring a lot of it like i'm i don't like the it's a survival i think the other thing i would say too is it's like a, it's a survival game 
it's way more of a survival game than like it, you, than the action adventure that it used to be, or some people would say mm. loosely an action RPG. Um, you're always having to monitor your weapons. Like you get a weapon and you don't want to use it because you're like, oh, this is a level forty weapon. I don't want to waste it on these guys. So you put it in your pack, and then it comes becomes this game of okay, I need to use a sword to whack a switch. I need to go into my inventory. Mm select the tree branch because i don't care if that breaks go back to the game whack the switch with the tree branch go back into the menu actually choose a weapon that you can use i saw some people in their reviews talk about that like it was great and i was like what that that sucks like i don't like that i don't like how the shields wear out i don't like how the bows wear out like you get something that you like and like you use it a handful of times and it's gone is there ever a way to repair them i've never found a way to repair them hmm Nope. I have never liked the weapon degradation system ever. It's, it's like... Um, I don't even like it in Fire Emblem. Yeah. I think the thing is, is like if you... If you do not like being encumbered in games, which I hate. Like, I hate mm. when you carry too much stuff and you walk slow. That doesn't happen in this game, but it's the same kind of a nagging annoyance. Uh, you always have to worry about the temperature. Uh, you always have to worry about your weapons. You always have to worry about your shield. All of these things, like, come and go with the wind. And some people are going to like that micromanaging part of it. I personally don't like it at all. I, uh, yeah, I honestly like the design of older Zelda games, where you have a little bit of, like, that open-air feel. Like, even Ocarina of Time, you had areas that were open and had big fields to explore. But it was still kind of a guided experience. Like, you didn't just spend an hour walking around looking for stuff. Which, and that's what mm. you do in this game. And I think people who like to discover things will love this game. And people who like to just wander around and hope they stumble into something are going to love it. Um, but I think for some people are going to get bored of it pretty quickly because it is kind of the same thing over and over. It's the same enemies. It's the same weapons. You find the same... In event, I mean, ultimately, you do get more powerful weapons and things like that, but... For hours and hours at a time, it's the same weapons that you pick up over and over, and it's you're fighting the same enemies over and over. The enemy variety in this game is pretty lacking. Um, again, it's a great game. I'm really enjoying it. But for these outlets to not find anything to criticize about this game, to me, it's just mind-blowing. Like, there's plenty. And this is just, like, the surface stuff. Like, if I really wanted to nitpick, I could. So I guess what I'm trying to say is... I'm not saying that these other reviews are wrong. I'm saying that if you think because of the scores the game is getting that you're not going to find any faults with it and it is like a perfect experience, you're going to be disappointed, without a doubt. And the other thing I would say about the 10, and this is coming from someone who's never given a 10 in his entire life, and I've been reviewing games for 20 years, I just never have, and maybe it's just circumstance, I never have to play the right game with the right scoring system or whatever, I just never have, is... You think back to Ocarina of Time, which in my opinion, if I had reviewed Ocarina of Time when it came out, I absolutely would have given it a perfect 10. But if you look back at that game, look at all the things that that game did first. Mm -hmm. I mean, it laid the template for this game and all the other action adventures that were going to come to come after that. I mean, it created Z-targeting, which is used in every <coughs> game. It's used in Dark Souls, in Bloodborne, in Everything, every action adventure. It created so many tenants. Just riding a freaking horse, like in 3D. Like, so many things that it did for the first time. And I look at Breath of the Wild, and it is 
it's a me too game it is it is the franchise finally <coughs> coming up to speed with its contemporaries after a decade of falling behind and i can understand where zelda fans would be like glory glory hallelujah perfect 10 like I could totally get Nintendo fan sites giving this game a perfect 10 because it's it's giving them what they have wanted and asked for for a really long time. But for people who've been playing games like Skyrim and for people who are playing a game right now like Horizon Zero Dawn, to me this game falls short of those games. It just does. It's it doesn't do those things better? No, it doesn't. Not at all. And it brings a lot of, like I said, at least for me personally, a lot of the annoying things that I don't like about some of those games. Like, encum being, <laughs> it doesn't have encumbrance, but the encumbrance of the survival element, so to speak. The cooking, you know, the cooking, you can kind of take it or leave it. Well, you can't really leave it because you do need it for health. But it's like this experiment thing. Like, you don't, you don't really get a lot of recipes. Like, you just kind of mm. throw stuff in and see what comes out. And then you kind of know, okay, from now on, if I combine those five things, this is what I'm going to get out of it. And you do kind of know going into it, okay, certain elements of this, like, you need to use spicy peppers if you're trying to make food that will help you in the cold. Um, you need to use watermelons if you're trying to make food that will... That's not how spicy food works. I know. But you need to use watermelons if you're trying to make food that will help you survive in the desert or whatever. So you kind of learn those tenets of it, but then everything else is just trial and error like mm -hmm. what it, all the herbs and the mushrooms and everything else that you throw in there like you really don't know what it's going to turn out to be most of the time so that's like a unless whole... you buy the official strategy guide right and i'm sure they're probably <laughs> online someone's done a cooking guide already oh, yeah. or whatever but when you're playing this and you're you're one of however many people are playing the game it's like it's all trial and error so um man you have any questions um How is, I guess, how is the combat? Like, is it beyond what we've seen in other Zelda games, or is it like... Well, it's kind of like what I said, thing? like, the tools that they give you this time, like, they all, and this is one of the things I always love about Nintendo, is they always make sure that one thing works with something else. So, mm. it does have the base Zelda combat, the lock-on with the Z. Um, if you time, like, your parries at the right time when someone attacks, you can... You basically, it freezes the enemy, and you can jump in and just wail on him. And for most enemies, that's enough to just completely wipe him out. Um, you can also, if you time it just right and jump, it will give you, like, like bullet time in the air with your bow. So you can jump up in the air, and you have, like, three or four seconds to just hang in the air and just light him up with your bow and arrow while you do that. Horizon has that, too. Yeah. And then there is a third thing that you can do where if you time blocking with your shield at the right time, it like basically blows the enemy backwards mm. and does some damage so the combat engine hands down the best there's ever been in a zelda not even close it is by far the best a lot of it is carryover from prior zelda games but it's done great and i think the addition of the bow which was something i i played it for the first like five or six hours and hardly even used the bow in combat until i realized oh my gosh like what am i doing i'm being insane for not using this thing so i uh i think the combat's great Mm -hmm. um, it's not, I mean, look, it's not like a near Automata, or mm -hmm. it's not like a Platinum game as far as the depth of the combat is concerned, and it's not even like a Dark Souls or a Demon Souls in that regard either. It's not that deep. Um, you don't get a lot of variety from the different shields that you use. The weapons, yeah, like, they'll, you'll have different combos depending on whether it's like a spear or a club or a sword, um, but... 
other than those sort of archetypes, the combos stay the same within those archetypes. It's not like you have mm. a separate combo for the Master Sword versus some rusty broadsword that you find or whatever. Those animations are all tied into like that class of weapons or whatever. Mm. Um, but, th I mean, this is a lot of the game right here. You come to an encampment. You should probably sneak in and take the weapons so they can't get the weapons. You fight them. A chest opens. You take the chest. You take the meat. Then you continue on and roam around more. Maybe cook at the pot if you need like more health items or whatever. But there you can see. There the broadsword's mm -hmm. damage. You need to go in. And it does do a good job of alerting you to know that like your weapon's about to break. Like a, a beep will start mm -hmm. happening to kind of let you know there's like an auto It's just so weird. Like, I just, I like, I, when I have weapons, I like my, to have my weapons. And I, I at least, you know, I've played games with weapon durability, but at least there was usually a way to fix the weapon. Yeah, I've not found a way to... I think I read somewhere that someone said that there is some way later on to repair, but I mean, I'm 30-some hours in, and I haven't found mm -hmm. a way to repair a weapon yet. So How long did it take you to get to a dungeon? Or whatever. 20 hours. Jeez. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm telling you, Matt, I have wasted probably six or seven hours of the, of the time I've played this game doing nothing. <laughs> Just trying to find where I'm supposed to go, and then eventually you get to a point where... The world just ends, or there's a cliff that drops down into water, mm. or there's nothing. And you have to turn around. Either you warp back to the last shrine that you tagged up, or you backtrack all the way around and try to find another way. Like, very, at the very beginning, when you're just getting, like, your base abilities, there's... And there you need to go is in the snow. And there's, like, three ways to get to the snow. And this is one of the things I, I like about the game, too, is that you're not always going to do things the same way as everybody else. Um, so there was one way where if you came in from the back end, it was a longer trek to get there. But if you came in through the back end, the amount of time you had to travel in the cold was much shorter. So if you came in the back way, you could use like some food that you cooked up that would be enough to cover your ass while you ran from the warm part of the world through the cold part to get to where you needed to go. If you came in the other way, which was the easier way to get to, you had to trek through far more of the blizzard like environment. So you needed basically new clothes to get through it that way. So it's like a cost-benefit analysis. Hmm. Easy to get this way, but you need to close. You have to walk all the way around to go the other way, but you only need like some food to get to the spot you need to go to that way. And so in that way, like some of the stuff is pretty cleverly designed. Um, is there, um, and this might just be me not having paid attention to preview materials for a while, uh, is there fishing? I have not fished yet. Do you, is it in there? Can I have you... not seen a rod. I oh. just use my bow and just shoot. <laughs> it's easy. You just shoot the fish and you just jump in the water and pick them up. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I have tons of fish. I just haven't used a fishing rod. Hmm. I mean, that's... That's a good question, though. I have not seen any footage of anyone else fishing either. Because I kind of identify fishing with Zelda. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I have not fished hmm. with a rod anyway. With all the things in this game, it would be weird to leave fishing out. But. It is weird. It is really weird. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of wandering around. Um, hmm. Trying to figure out where you're supposed to go, and then sometimes you think you're going the right way, and then you realize you're not going the right way. Or sometimes you get to a... You go for a lot... You walk for, like, 20 minutes and get to a place where you just don't have the clothes that you need to go any farther. It gets really hot or it gets really cold, and you're like... Okay, 
where do I buy these clothes or where is the next cook? Like I've, I've learned after a while to like start marking every cooking pot that I come across because the game doesn't organically mark them on your map and you need to know where they are, where the closest ones are. So every time I find a cooking pot, and this is the cool thing about a map, the map is you have a list of probably like 20 icons and you can just drop them wherever you want. And so I have the star for my map is always a cooking pot. So every time I find one, I drop a star there. I know if I need to get health or some kind of a, or I need to craft some kind of an item to help me with the weather, I can go there and I can do it. So, I mean, I'll say this for... So Nite does it not hold your hand much or... It really doesn't, no. I mean, there's certain parts where you have a mission and you complete one part of it and then a waypoint pops up and you can follow it right to the next one. It's not like every quest is like, okay... Here's this spot, like eight miles, like literally like eight miles away in the woods. Just get there somehow. Like there are plenty of part or plenty of mission objectives where it literally is just like now go here, now go here, now go talk mm -hmm. to this person. So it's not like the whole game is obtuse, but it definitely does not hold your hand at all. Like this game is hard. That's maybe what I should have said at the beginning. Going back to prior Zelda games, I would play those games and maybe die like one time. I have died hundreds and hundreds of times in this game. From combat, from falling off ledges, <laughs> from getting burned, from you name it. From the cold, from the heat. I mean, there are some, the other thing too that the way this game is set up is it's a little Souls-ish in that you can stumble into enemies that just annihilate you. Like, you can just be walking through the woods, and until you get a certain item that will show the number of hit points above the enemy's heads, it can be rough. Because you just see an enemy, and you're just like, oh, okay, this is the same guy I fought 50 times, and oh no. Like, literally just one shot, and you're just dead. Hmm. And that happens a lot in this game. And it, it is forgiving, and it, like, when you die, you're not sent back, like, all the way to, like, Kakariko Village or whatever. Um, you're sent to, like, a more recent kind of checkpoint area. But you can die out of nowhere. Just one attack from some of the enemies will kill you. Um, the camera, like a lot of times what I do is I find myself, like I'll use the remote bombs whenever enemies are chasing after me. And I'll drop them and keep running. And I'll run towards the camera. Mm. And so the enemies are behind me. So I can see when they run across the bomb, I can detonate the bomb and it blows them up. Problem is when you're running at the camera, you can't <laughs> see what's in front of you. So a lot of times I'm doing that and, and I'll run right into an enemy and they'll just whack me with one whack and just kill me. So... Yeah, I mean, it's, this is way more... This is definitely, maybe other than the first or second Zelda, the most difficult Zelda ever. Hmm. Um, it is not easy, without, without a doubt. You're going to die. And even once you master the combat and the timing of like the parries and everything, like you're still going to die, because sometimes you get just overwhelmed by a bunch of enemies at once. So, let's see. Anything else? Any other questions you have? Is that like, I'm, I, there's like a bunch of clothes and stuff on the horse there. Is that a horse you tamed and then decided to make your horse? You yeah. Know, you, you can keep the horse forever. Yeah, and you then want. you can whistle and he'll show up to the nearest point that he can get to. And I think you, you saw. And you can equip him with stuff. And... Vaguely. It's not I mean, like he has I mean, did you put, like, but like, did you put that like blanket on him, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and you can see the shield there. This is actually kind of spoilery, this footage here, a little bit. Is this your footage? It is, yeah. yeah. But I, I made sure that I stayed out of, like, the crazy areas mm -hmm. that would give anything away. I wanted to make sure it was just kind of vanilla. So, But you can see how the horse works and how the horse will and will not go certain places. And the way you tame your horse is 
when you first get on the horse, anytime the horse does what you tell it to, you pat it. So if you say turn left and he actually turns left, you pat it. And if he's not doing what you don't want him to, you don't pat him. And that's how you eventually train the, the horse into becoming kind of your horse. Mm. Um, there'll be like a little icon that pops up whenever you, you give him like a, pet, a pat on the side or whatever. So pretty intuitive. Uh, I mean, most of the game is pretty intuitive. It doesn't need like a big instruction book. It doesn't have one at all. Right. Um, and the menus do a good job. And there's lots of information in all the menu screens and everything. You spend a lot of time in the menus in this game, I guess is a good way to put it. Lots of time looking through your weapons, managing your food, um, managing your weapons, making sure you don't have some crappy old weapon in your inventory when you can pick up something else. It's like, it's that constant thing. Oh, I came across a new sword. All oh, your inventory's full. Let me go into my inventory and look at all the swords. I, oh, I have this one sword. It's only level five. Let me get rid of that. And I get it back. I pick it up. Like, it's a lot of that type of stuff. Mm. There's which, a little bit of that in Horizon as well. Yeah. Which... Yeah, I mean, with Zelda, that's not really something that you did. There's no leveling up in this game. You never gain any levels, which de-incentivizes a little bit to go out and adventure because you're like, why am I doing this? Just to see what you can see? I mean, that's really the motivation for most of the game. There's Maybe that's the best way to put it, is that there's just not a lot of motivation to go out into the wild because the re what's the reward? You never level up. Your weapons never level up. You never, after, at a certain point, you don't really get anything new. I mean, you're basically going out to try to find new clothes. No, there's no achievements? No, no achievements. Or what did, what does Nintendo call them? Nothing. There's no achievements. Well, they have a couple games where they do have, like, right. in-game achievements or whatever. They had a name for it. It's called, like, Patches or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Oh, right. Yeah, like the arcade thing they did. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But there's like, like there's no intern like uh, Zeno, Xenoblade had like you know like a game like, game, like not system wide but just like in the game they no there's nothing like list. that no nope um, yeah I mean that's the thing it's like going off of the main quest once you've completed the main quest you're not leveling up anything you're not leveling up Link you're not leveling up any of his weapons. It's, you know, part of the game is kind of managing your weapons and saying, okay, well, I have this level 50 club that I want to save until I fight the boss, but you're going to do that anyway. Like, you've always done that in Zelda games with, like, your arrows, basically. Like, oh, I'm not going to use my fire arrows until I get to a boss or whatever. And you do a lot of that in this game as well. So, again, it's a great game. Don't get me wrong. And it's way better than Skyward Sword. I love it way more than Skyward Sword. Um... But there's really nothing innovative about it unless you're looking at the Zelda franchise in a vacuum. Mm. And you're saying, all I care about is what Zelda does and not what everything else does. Um, there's really nothing unique or different about it other than it's, wow, Link is in an open world. I don't know if I would even call it an RPG. Um, it's, it's a survival a game. Yeah. It's an open world survival game, really, I guess is the best mm. way to put it. Um, I've had a ton of fun with it. Uh, obviously, I've already spent 30 hours. I'm not completely finished with it. A little bit of that is me dragging my feet because I can see the end coming, and I wanted to make sure that I experienced a lot more of the world and want to be able to, came, be able to come on this show and actually have an informed opinion about more than just the quest because I look at some... I don't know how some of these people got through this game and really experienced, like, a lot of it um, in time for the embargo. I gave it everything I had, like, every waking moment I had... And they're not was, running their own website. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, maybe that was their only thing they had to do. But I just could not...
get it done. And like it became obvious with like a day and a half before embargo that I was not going to make it. Like I was just like, damn, like I've given this all I've got. I'm staying up until I'm falling asleep with the tablet in my lap. And I started seeing people on like the Facebook thread where the reviewers thread where people were talking about parts of the game that I hadn't been to yet. And I was like, man, like I played this game for 30 hours and I'm still not at that yet. So that's it. I'll be writing my game eval. I think Probably Monday it'll probably go up. Um, I'm hoping I can get it done in the next couple of days. It seems that way. Uh, I'm to the part of the game where a lot of the pomp and circumstance is over and it's escalating and leading up to like the end of uh, end of the game. A story I didn't talk about. Um, <laughs> there really isn't one there. Mm. It's just is a very a basic setup. The writing is not good. Is there good. a Triforce? And a, and a, and I'm not going to spoil like big stuff, but... But like the usual Zelda elements are shaken up in a Yahtzee. Yeah, I mean, thrown back it's, out on the table basically. It's Zelda, Zelda and Ganon. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> they find some other little weird quirk for it to happen again. But ultimately, Ganon has Zelda. You're trying to rescue Zelda. The writing is not good, which is odd for Nintendo. And usually, the translations from the Treehouse are impeccable. It's not good, and the voice acting is not good, Matt. Part well, not all of it's bad, but there are some lines where literally they emphasize the wrong parts of words, and I'm just like, who listened to this and was like, okay, let's get another take of that, like stuff like that. And I mean, it is like their first, the first Zelda that's fully voiced and all that, so willing to cut them a little bit of slack. But I was disappointed in the eh. story. The story's kind of for kids, I guess is the best mm. way to put it. Chat saying that somebody's already done a one and a half hour speed run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you can run straight to, mm. and there's some things you have to do to, like, be able to fight and win the fight, but you can. Like, you can jimmy that last little area that you're in to get what you need to finish the game, like, running straight to the boss. Hmm. Yeah, so you were absolutely right. Like, people are on it. Like, there was one guy who got a copy of the game, the guy who did that. All he did was speedrun it. As soon as he got it, he just started figuring out how to get to Ganon immediately and fight him and win. And he did. Like, on when the embargo broke, his video went up an hour and 30 minutes or something like hmm. that. Just like that. So, All right. I'm sure people have questions galore. Obviously, my opinion of Zelda is differing from a lot of other people's. So I am here and more than willing to back up my opinion with facts and information that I have gathered playing this game over a full work week. But it all comes down to it. Uh, so feel free to hit up, hit me up with any questions you have about Zelda in uh, the comments while we go to our trailer of the week, which is, this was a horrible week for trailers, by the way. Yeah, not much happening there. Um, we, well, we did have Shadow of War, but we wanted mm -hmm. to talk about that, so we ended up running the trailer for our conversation about that. That probably would have been trailer yeah, of the week. It was a new uh, Overwatch character. Yeah. That trailer wasn't good, though. Yeah. It was like that corny animated thing they do sometimes, where it's just like... Mm -hmm. Uh, so instead, we I look went forward to her CG. Yeah, right. Exactly. Story. Oh, if it had been that, we yeah. definitely would have ran it. So uh, instead, we have Battlefield One, the very first DLC that takes place in France, it is called "They Shall Not Pass." Get those questions in now. enfants de la patrie, aux armes citoyens. Entendez-vous dans les campagnes, 
rougir ces féroces soldats. Ils ne passeront pas. They just laid out the uh, full DLC plan for Battlefield 1. It looks pretty freaking awesome. Mm. I think the season pass is like 50 bucks, and they announced four of the big DLC content that's coming across the next year. Uh, I was pretty impressed with what they're offering. This, I think there's four new maps in this, a um, bunch of new weapons, and a bunch of other stuff. So looks like EA's doing a pretty good job uh, with that. Also, we should probably mention before the show's over, Peter Moore left EA yep. this week. Which made me sad. I'm the CEO of Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, he... Uh, Liverpool going to be unbeatable in FIFA this year, <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> exactly. He, uh... I'm sh I was shocked over this news. I really was. And look, I know he's like the world's biggest Liverpool fan. And he came from I mean, I was sports background. I mean, I'm only shocked in that, like, he made it happen. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it doesn't shock me that he would take that I mean, job. I'm shocked that they offered him the job, to be honest with you. I mean, mm. dude, he's running a soccer team after having worked in video games for like 30 years business is a business i guess i was shocked on a number of levels mostly i'm gonna miss him though i just you yeah. know he's he what will he get tattoos of now yeah well when you work in this industry long <laughs> enough you start to realize like who the good people are and who the jerks are and i'm never gonna go on the game face and say this guy's the jerk but i will say whenever somebody's like the good people and peter moore is one of the good people mm -hmm. he uh any, he could walk through E3, and any person would say his name. He would stop and talk to him. I have seen it over and over again. I've seen it doing interviews with him, waiting for the interview to start. People come up, and he'll just sit there and talk to him. Um, he was always forthright in his interviews. He never like had these canned answers. There was never PR people with him whenever you did interviews with him. He was just like, I don't need you. Like, I got this. And... Consequently, like, you would get actual interesting quotes out of him when everybody else is just like, go, here's a press release, you might as well read it, because that's all I'm going to say. Mm. Like, literally, I've had people say that to me. And Peter Moore was never that way. And, you know, he's from the OG, he, he came from Sega, and, you know, I've always admired him because he, you know, stood out that fight with Sega to try to make the Dreamcast a success, and it's just a shame to see him go. Anytime you see... A really good person leave an industry that you're one a of the part only of. people who stood against Stolar. Yeah, back in the day. You're right. Yeah, I uh, I just have a lot of love for Peter Moore. So I'm sad to see him leave our industry. I think our industry is worse off with him out of it, um, and I think EA is worse off with him not a part of it. Uh, but I do wish him luck at uh, Liverpool FC, and I hope he becomes like the greatest CEO in the history yeah, of I soccer. Mean, it's, it seems <laughs> like, like it seems like his dream job. It so. does. So uh, good luck to you, Peter. Thank you for for everything, man. And he gets to go home. He does. Yeah. I don't know if his family will be happy with that at this well, point, Well, yeah, I mean, but what I, what I mean, it's to, I, I don't know. Outside of the consequences of family and all that relocation situation, like, it must be, that's like a great way of, to return in triumph. To be like, I'm going to come run my favorite soccer team. That's crazy. Yep. All right, let's get to some questions here from Unfashionable. Or no, from The Legacy. Isn't it unethical for streamers to push Twitch game sales if they also review the game? 
I assume that major review sites will not participate in this, but it, if internet personalities do not disclose, the FCC might have to step in, similar to the Shadow of Mordor situation. That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I mean, my presumably, opinion... <laughs> presumably it'll be in the language of, of Twitch agreement or whatever, that like, yeah, just you know, assume these people are getting a cut or something like that. I mean, a lot of these people don't really do reviews. Yeah. I mean, most of them don't. It's impressions or reactions. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're like, why would they waste their time actually doing a review mm -hmm. when they're going to sit there and play the game for 20 hours and you're going to figure out whether they like it or not? So most streamers don't really do, like, video reviews or take the time to write a review. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, worst case scenario, or best case scenario, depending on your perspective, at the end of their Let's Plays, they'll say, okay, so after I played this, I liked this and I didn't like that. Um, I mean, a conflict, there's always, the, yeah, yeah, there, there can be conflicts, without a doubt. I mean, we've seen it with YouTube already, with some of the YouTubers. Yeah, um, but the, the, I guess the advantage you have here in the, with the Twitch situation is at least as a viewer and a potential buyer, you can sit there and just watch the game happen in front of you, as opposed to someone yeah. sitting in front of a camera writing a review where there's like, I think this, this, this. And you the don't footage have is cut yeah, and it's, edited. It's, yeah, it's right yeah. there in front of you. It's, it's a little more, I think it's, I don't know if honest is the right word, but it feels pretty straightforward in terms of what the consumer has to work with. Yeah. Uh, and it's certainly, I mean, if somebody's playing a game that long in front of you, it's pretty hard to disguise if they hate it but are pretending not to hate it to get you to buy it. And then on top of that, you're watching the game happen. You can see if they're having a good or a hard, difficult time with it. Uh, I mean, there is a legal question there, but I would figure that Twitch has done that research. They'll figure it out somehow. Or maybe not. You know, if there's one thing we've learned in the last year or so... When it comes to like people running things, you never know how competent anybody is. Well, it gets a little dicey, too, because what happens when the publishers start sponsoring the streamers to do a stream specifically to sell the game? Right. And then they end up sitting there the whole time going, buy the game, guys, buy the game, guys. Mm -hmm. I really love this. Buy the game, guys. I would like it could to, get dicey. Yeah, but I would like to think the audience would be like, stop it. Like, like, like you'd see through that. My, you know? Maybe. Maybe. And the more they do it, but the better they to, get I mean, at it. FCC rules may say you would have to disclose that. that, that that's the rules doing. say that. Yeah, well, for some, <laughs> you're going to get caught doing that eventually. So, yeah. you know, especially if you're running a gambling site about how many people are going to buy your game and then getting a cut of people who buy the game. Man, that could end up being like the mother of all scandals. Like somebody starts could. a gambling site to bet on how many sales they get of the game they're promoting from the publisher... For 5% per sale. <laughs> I like the wheels within wheels on that, on that yeah. scenario. Here's a follow-up question. Why is Twitch game purchasing taking so long since Amazon owned Twitch since 2014? Couldn't they just have added an Amazon purchase link at any time, or is this some type of other purchasing? Why do they need to share revenue with anyone? Good question. Good, per good question. I mean, I to me, it, it really feels like, like they're rolling the dice and, think, and thinking, like, we think people, like, we think we drive sales. And we're going to use this feature to prove it. Well, it's really weird. And make ourselves more valuable to the advertisers in the process. The weird thing about this, and again, a great question, is that, you know, we can add Amazon links to Sifted and get kickbacks from Amazon for mm -hmm. driving people to Amazon. Not 5%, mind you. Nowhere near that. It's like 1 one-twentieth of a percent or something like that. But you can, if you're a big site like GameSpot or IGN where you can drive millions of people to buy games, you can actually make money off of that. For us, not so much. But... It's odd that Amazon has worked with other partners like that, and in its own property, it hasn't brought that to fruition until now. It really, it's mm. a great question. It makes no sense whatsoever. Why Amazon hasn't done it, 
No clue. I really have no answer for that. I don't know. Why it wouldn't have done it immediately. Like, that should have been his play right away as soon as it bought Twitch. Like, that should have been a part of the roadmap that, like, here we are three years later, mm-hmm. and finally it's implementing it. I don't know. Good question. You've managed to stump us. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I don't really have an I mean, you'd have to ask them. Uh, here's one from Cheater Hater. Is there anything in Zelda that would fall under the connectivity subscore on Sifted? Nope. Nothing. It is not connected to the interwebs in any way, shape, or form other than whenever the DLC starts coming. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, there's... I mean, I have not finished the game, so I don't know for sure if maybe when you finish, if it doesn't upload like your final mm-hmm. results to a leaderboard, that's possible uh, because I haven't finished the game yet. But there's no play, there's no cooperative, there's no any kind of connectivity with the game at all. So, yeah, that will definitely be a category that will get hurt on the Gaming Bow. Um, I would Kyra No asks, would you recommend Zelda over Horizon based on your experience with both games? We haven't both played both games. Right, that's a problem. So, Neither one of us have played both. I will, I will put it... Th- I will say this. Um, I, did, I did play 30 minutes of Zelda at, at E3 last year, but... Um, uh, if I will be shocked if Zelda's as good as Horizon after 20 minute, twenty hours of Horizon. Um, both off of what I've seen and off of what you've described, although like when you're talking about how it feels aimless and there's no reason to go look for these things, that's all I do in these games. Oh, so then it, you're going to love Zelda. It sounds like it's right up my alley, so we'll see. But there's really but. no... Reward for doing this, man. Mm-hmm. In Zelda, yeah. Well, none. I have. I'm, but it's like you're also talking about the guy who will wander through every cave he finds in Skyrim, even though there's never anything good at the end of any of those stupid caves. Right. But like, I do it anyway because I just like to poke my head into things. Basically, yeah. yeah. I guess I, I would. I would be. You know, I would be the James in Silent Hill, sticking his hand in the hole just to see if there's a key in there, even though there's probably some monster going to bite your hand off. So. What you describe about Zelda there like sounds pretty good to me, but we'll see if it if that lack of incentive becomes a problem. Um, unfashionable, Shane. What letter grade would you give Zelda right now? You sounded quite negative. Is that your overall impression of the game, or just being counterpoints to the rave reviews? The latter, definitely. I'm just trying to temper expectations for people. Uh, I feel like these reviews have people thinking that it's like this infallible, most amazing game ever created, and I don't even is close to that um again I, that's why i kept saying over and over it is a great game i am enjoying it i'm having fun i've played it for 30 hours i don't want to stop that's why i keep repeating it over and over because a lot of times what people will do after a show like this is they'll just take the negative like people never want to hear the positive things that i said about the combat or any of the other stuff that i really liked about it they always say oh well he didn't like this and and so yes i am trying to be kind of the counterpoint to the other reviews because they have no criticism in them at all. I mean, if you read these other reviews, there's nothing, they find nothing wrong. It's just everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. This is great. This is what I wanted forever. And it's, I, I don't agree with that. I think there are plenty of faults in the game. So I was just pointing out to, because there are some things that are deal breakers for people. Some people don't like to play survival games. Some people don't like to have to watch a meter and make sure that they're not too cold or they're not too hot or. There are, some people don't like being in the middle of a fight. I already do that in real breaking. life. I don't need to do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I am playing a little bit of Devil's Advocate just for the people who actually want to hear the truth about the game before they buy it. So, um, Let me just see. Uh, unfa- oh, that was already... We did Unfashionable. 
Does the horse in Zelda swim? <laughs> From Pharaoh Doll. Um, no. The horse does kick ass, though. Hmm? Like, it will... Oh, yeah. Well, one, if you're on the horse, you're basically... You can't get hurt. Like, if you use your sword from the bat when you're on top of the horse, it's like one-hit kills, basically. And the horse will also attack your enemies. Like, there was one time... It was awesome. I was fighting one of the... What are they called? Goblins or Moblins, moblins I think what they're called. Yeah. And I hit him with a club, so he, like, flew back. He landed right at the butt end of the horse. He stands up, and then the horse kicks him. It <laughs> knocks him, like, flying, kills him. Wow. Um, That's actually... Uh, the, if you override a uh, machine in, uh, to be your mount in Horizon, they will fight with you. Yeah. And, the thing. And, once, and I didn't know that until I was hiding from some creatures, and, they, and I, left, I left my horse kind of sitting on the path, and the creatures came looking for me and saw that, that the thing, you know, this was an overridden creature, and they started attacking it. And it just turned around and kicked the th and just killed them all. Like just, I, I just sat in grass and watched my horse destroy all these things I was hiding. Yeah, from. I've seen the horse actually go after enemies too, like actively mm -hmm. like run after them and like attack them. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind with the horses too is the speckled horses or horses with multiple colors are easier to tame, but ultimately their abilities won't be as good. Any horse that's all pure of one color is harder to tame, but ultimately it will be a better horse. So keep that in mind whenever you're making your way out in the wilds. That is a funny question, though, by the way. Uh, is Breath of the Wild the Dark Souls of Nintendo from Killzone 310? No. I mean, it's not that hard. It's, it's not like you make one mistake and you die. Um... You can. I mean, there are enemies. If you end up in the wrong place at the wrong time, they can take you out with one shot, no problem. And there's some, like, mini-bosses you come across in the woods that literally will run after you and just kill you. Um, but it's not like every enemy really has the ability to kill you. As long as you're... Again, once you get the item that shows the hit points above the enemy's head, that helps a ton. Because you can kind of keep yourself out of trouble by looking at that. But as long as you keep... Uh, the enemies that you're fighting with within kind of the conceivable range of your powers, uh, it doesn't play like Dark Souls or anything like that at all. It's uh, much more forgiving. Uh, Fanvar says, Matt and Shane, hello from Greece. What's up? Uh, I'm actually maybe coming to Greece this year. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, do you think that Fallout is going to come out for Switch? Do we know anything? No. We do not know anything. If Fallout comes out for Switch, it would probably be like New Vegas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three, three or New Vegas. Right. And look, which would be New Vegas okay. is awesome. Yeah, it's a great I'm, game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I might buy New Vegas for Switch. There's no but, way even Fallout Four, which no. is not impressive graphically by any stretch of the imagination, even that. I mean, after playing Zelda, my expectations for games that are coming to Switch are really low now. Like. You can just see it. It just mm -hmm. struggles. It's just not very powerful. Like, you see Zelda. It's that same texture over and over again. And I guarantee if you spin that camera around quickly away from that green hill and show the rest of the world, it'll just turn into a slideshow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really where it bogs down the most is when you're using the camera, and you have to use it a lot, and you go from showing a very tight, like, confrontation to, like, the rest of the world that's, like, behind you. And it has to quickly draw, like... Death Mountain and everything. That's whenever it'll start to bog down. Or if you have the camera kind of pointed down in a forest and then you come into this opening and you see a lot of the world, then it'll start to bog down as well. So 
Unfortunately, the Switch just does not have the horsepower that I think we all had hoped that it would. So, all right, we'll answer a couple more. Uh, no problem, Pharaoh Doll. He said his friend needed to know if the horse went. <laughs> Unfashionable. We got pricing for NVIDIA GeForce 1080 Ti at $699, which even NVIDIA said is faster than their Titan X Pascal. Do you have any interest in upgrading your PC? Uh, I do not, because I haven't run into anything that taxes my PC yet. Like, I don't need... As long as I'm still running the 60 and 2K, like, I don't really care. Yeah, I mean, what do you need beyond um, that? The only game I've run into that has problems running at, at full res at full 60 is um, Rise, which uh, is really Rise's problem more than my computer. It's just yeah. a very, it's an over, it's a bloated game that wasn't very well optimized. Sorry what's happening with Crytek right now, but like, so I don't feel a need to upgrade because I just don't, you know, I upgrade my computer when I start seeing like most games, I'm like, oh, I have to run everything on medium spec, so I'm going to have to upgrade. So yeah, I don't feel, I don't see me upgrading my PC for quite some time still. Yep. All right, one last question. Oh, here we go. From Justin Horman. We always have to have one from at least Justin every hmm. episode. What is the least impressive launch game of the last 20 years? Godzilla Generations for the Dreamcast. That was fan. bad. There was that fireworks game for PlayStation 2. Oh, was... yeah. Um, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the winner. I, think you, I don't know. Have you, you, have, have you played that Godzilla I have, game? yeah. Like, that was... Dreamcast yeah, Japanese... I guess that was bad... The fireworks game was just a dumb idea. At least there was other. It was things executed to play. okay. Like, At least there were other things to play. On yeah. PS2 like the, the Dreamcast Japanese launch was Godzilla Generations, Pen Pen Tri Isolon. Right. That's right. It was awful. July, a terrible survival yeah. horror game, and Virtual Fighter Three Team Battle, which right. was great. But yeah. you can only play a fighting game so long right. before you're like, like Godzilla Generations is like move a giant. Stiff Godzilla character through. It was bad. Meaning, yeah, it was not good. That was, but Godzilla Generations will always be my go-to worst launch game for anything. That's pretty hard to beat. The PlayStation Two launch was pretty terrible. Yeah. I, just, I don't think, in terms of terrible launches, I don't think anything beats the Japanese Dreamcast and Saturn. Yeah. So, I mean, Sega really had a rough couple of goes there. And that was the last go. And that was the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it, everybody. Uh, hopefully next week we'll have like some... Fantavision, that was it. That's that it, was yep. It, yeah. Hopefully next uh, week we'll have some more impressions on some other Switch stuff. Right now, we've, Nintendo still only just sent us Zelda. We never got one to Switch or any other launch stuff. So hopefully over the coming week I'll finish Zelda. I'll be able to get on Horizon and give that a little bit of a go and get on some more of these launch Yeah, games, I guess so. next week we'll have uh, your impressions of Horizon and my your impressions, impressions of Zelda. Zelda. We'll just do it all flip-flop. Yeah. We'll make it shorter next week, obviously, yeah. since we discussed so much this week. But uh, we have one more thing before we go. As always, we have our next member to Sifted Elite. And there he is, Mr. McWomble. <laughs> you deserve a break today, my friend. Welcome to Team Green. Thank you for your donation. Much appreciated. So... That'll do it for this episode. Game Face episode 77 is in the books. The double sevens bring, should bring us luck in some way, shape, or form. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it'll solve the world's Joy-Con problems. 
a tall ask. It is a tall ask. <laughs> I would just my Joy-Con problems. Yeah, like, that's no Joy-Con okay. problems. Fair for enough. Me. When you get yours yeah. today, it's going to work flawlessly. Done and done. Double sevens. Everyone have a great weekend. Game faces up and out.